Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, everybody. Robert Evans here, and I wanted to let you know this is a compilation episode. So every episode of the week that just happened uh, is here in one convenient and with somewhat less ads package for you to listen to in a long stretch if you want. Uh, If you've been listening to the episodes every day this week, there's going to be nothing new here for you. But you can make your own decisions. Oh, it's It Could Happen Here. And it, by goodness, it continues to. I'm Robert Evans. Um, Sophie, my producer, just noted to me that we should probably uh, introduce Shireen Lana Yunus since you've recently joined the team and have been on several episodes and we just kind of rolled with it. Uh, Shireen... (laughs) what are you who are you where are you um when are you uh, those are a lot of questions i can't answer they are. uh you are a frequent ghost on uh, guest i hope ghost. Ghost on behind the bastards. um you're a producer with iheart you're mm-hmm. on the show ethnically ambiguous yes. uh with anna hosnia and um you are our our, our bud I am your bud. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I Pub- joined. Published recently. poet. Yes. Published poet. 
a filmmaker, uh, a depressed person. You know, I tick mm-hmm. all the boxes. Um, you helped Sophie <laughs> bury that body the other year? Yeah. That was between us. Yeah. I don't I, know why well, we need to put that on mic. Between you and Lake Mead. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, mm-hmm. everyone's going to know where that body is. So well, I appreciate that. We're going to find it soon anyway. But yeah, I. Uh, it's really fun to talk to y'all. So it's nice that we can record me doing it now for work. Cool. So, that's is that a good intro? Yeah, yeah. That is a good intro. We're really excited to have Shireen yeah. on our team. It's uh something that we've been hoping that would happen for a while now and we just feel very fortunate to have her voice as part of our as part of our very tight knit group. Mm-hmm. And um you're welcome, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> well, motherfuckers. I, <laughs> I feel very honored to be a part of such a small tight knit group, especially because everyone I'm not even saying this to fish, please. But everyone here is much smarter than me. And so I've been learning a lot and I don't do nearly as much research as y'all do. So I hope to be the like a a um someone representing the audience that knows nothing. You know what I mean? Like that's my role mm-hmm. here is to really give people to let people be seen w- who have their heads empty like mine. So representation matters. Uh. <laughs> well, I, I feel like we had empty headed represented when I joined the team, but fair enough. What are we, what is our, who are we today? What are we doing today? Where are we today? Chris, you're the president uh, of this episode. Oh no, wait, that's bad. All right. So I'm going to, I I think, I think I have to assassinate myself is the way this works. Um, but yeah, we're <laughs> legally actually, yeah, that, that I, th- I, th- I think next episode I assassinate myself. This episode I'd get unelected or something. But okay. yeah, we're 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 talking about sort of two two convergent paths of how we got to like the most recent disaster with the most recent well, this isn't even the most recent disaster anymore, but uh how 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 we got to the place where Roe v. Wade is about to die. And yeah. you know, there, there's two threads, and tomorrow we'll be talking about uh the terrorism. But today we'll be talking I say we, it's mostly we Shireen, but yeah, we're 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 gonna be talking about how the the sort of a, like half a century long electoral movement that got us to this place. Yeah. It's really interesting because I mean, some of it is self-explanatory and some of it isn't, but I think it's interesting to go back in time and really figure out how we got where we are. So I think it's pretty obvious that like Republicans use the abortion issue uh, to forge coalitions with like right wing and fundamentalist Christian voters, but Democrats are also using it to attract women voters and it seems like neither party will risk modifying the rigid position uh, that it has for fear of alienating those who the abortion issue has helped attract, because it feels like it's this just we're at a standstill. It's not solvable, but it's actually the when you look at the history, it's pretty, I don't know, it kind of makes sense how we landed here. And every presidential candidate or, or any candidate in general will present these countries' issues with like a sense of urgency, especially this issue. But it really feels like they're just using it to attract voters and then it gets ignored. Um, but how did how did how did abortion become a partisan issue in America? The polarization of the parties on this issue really started in the, in the 1970s. And um, party leaders just started moving farther and farther apart on the issue. And a lot of scholars say that this is a combination of like grassroots activism and also established, uh, also just political strategy. So in the 1970s, uh, the politicians' views on abortion didn't break down along the party lines. 
uh, Republican president, uh, Gerald Ford. He opposed Roe v. Wade, but the first lady was an abortion rights supporter. And then his vice president, Rockefeller, he presided over the repeal of abortion restrictions in New York. Um, And uh, in Congress, Republicans voted against abortion about the same rate as Democrats. So there wasn't a huge black and white, good, evil kind of thing going on. Um, And it started to change in the 70s. So during his uh, presidential campaign in 1972, Nixon began striking out anti-abortion positions or staking out anti-abortion positions as part of a a strategy to appeal to Catholic voters and other social conservatives. And after he won uh, with a majority of Catholic votes, Republican strategists began using the same tactics in Congress and they were forging coalitions with evangelical groups uh, around opposition to abortion. And uh, it was really this larger effort to make the Republican Party painted as this like pro-family to help mobilize like socially conservative voters that really value this idea of this like traditional in quotes family. So it might have been both grassroots uh, organizing, but they, I think both of these efforts really focused around this idea of this traditional quote unquote like Christian good family, um, and I think that's still the uh, a lot of the intention today is to really promote that and why abortion is wrong is because it kind of goes against this idea of what a family should look like or how families should act like, in particular how a mother should act. Um, so. Yeah. Thoughts. Yeah. I mean, like, I definitely think we see that um, everywhere. That type of propaganda uh, is, you know, there obviously. And then they're in like the like, oh, this is like hidden in type thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, Chris has talked about that quite a bit on certain things. So maybe Chris would be best to, to deep dive on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean I think there's 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 a there's a couple of things that have been like like per- are percolating around this time too, which is also like this is this is a period of like really intense feminist mobilization and it this is also a period where you know the the one, one of the sort of rights driving issues had been integration like like opposing integration and like promoting segregation and by this period they've like they've basically lost that and so they need like something, right? And like that something winds up being this vision of this sort of like of this like very specifically white Christian patriarchal family. And and I I think it's also interesting that like you know if if you look at the the initial abortion stuff is largely yeah it's like okay if the Republicans are targeting Catholics right, and the reason they're targeting Catholics is because evangelicals in particular like haven't quite figured out what they think about this yet, and this kind of like family stuff and the the, the i don't know it, it, it ties into the, this whole sort of this attempt to get evangelicals into politics for the first time or no, not for the first time but they'd kind of been out of it for a while like on this sort of like well the rapture's coming so like what's the point of dealing with like this impure like secular sort of politics thing and yeah they, they get sort of roped back into it by the the the, the polarization of abortion and by making by 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 making abortion in the family this incredibly sort of central part of of what the Republican platform is, and by sort of like, you know, like attempting to destroy the kind of like more moderate, uh, like Rockefeller liberal wing of the Republican Party, who just like get stomped and don't exist anymore. Yeah, no, that's a good point, and um, I think it's interesting because 
I feel like we see a lot of candidates go back and forth on the issues now, but it even started... I mean, it's been going on since forever because politics are all a scam. But Ronald Reagan really <laughs> illustrates the shift because um, when he was a governor of California in 67, he signed a law that loosened abortion restrictions. But in his 1980 presidential campaign, he called for the appointment of anti-abortion judges. So he's just, re- I mean, just like any political candidate, he's going with the the tides. He's trying to get elected. He's not really... No one has actual morals that they stand on. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And only after 1988 uh, does it show that more Democrats than Republicans uh, were supporting access to abortion, because before then it was pretty, pretty much even, if not just a little bit. uh, Yeah, it was mainly honestly split over whether or not you were fucking Catholic, right? Like that was the primary determining factor. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's an interesting thing there too, because a lot of you know, because it's like the 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 anti-abortion people see Reagan as like their guy, mm-hmm. but then he gets into office and he's like not as strong on it as they wanted, and well, we'll get into some of what that leads to next episode, but yeah, yeah th- there's mean, this this was like fundamentally when you're looking at like the anti-abortion movement, it's a it's a Christian nationalist power grab, and at that point. They had just figured out the strategy, so it was good enough that they were able to help get Reagan into office, but it was not consolidated enough that Reagan really felt the need to do much more than pay it lip service, you know? Yeah. Well, just an example of everyone campaigning on something that they know will get them voted and then kind of ignoring it once they're in office because, like, it served its purpose. Um, I, I think there's there's another interesting thing that's going on here with that, too, which is that at this point... so. This is this is sort of the, the the dawn of like Jerry Farwell and the majority and okay if you want to hear me talk about this for a really long time uh, go listen to my episode on the Moonies and how Reverend Moon also was a huge part of this but there's like this giant shift in like the technology of recruiting voters where this this is where you start getting mailing list organizing this is where you start getting like you know enormous lists of people to to call for fundraisers this is where you start like. You know, this is where you start basically getting like the, the the weird Facebook letter, like chain mail things that we have now. But like they would just like mail people like scare stories about like here's like an actual baby that Planned Parenthood killed. And like yeah, that also. That's, that's what I was saying by like the obvious things propaganda wise. But yeah, I, I, I think that it's also like things on TV, things in movies. Yeah. That yeah. That are like. uh. Yeah, yeah, they kind of try to pull at the heartstrings of some invisible heart they think people have. Um, but <laughs> even even like t- like TV commercials, yeah, have things that like the traditional family that like yeah, the nuclear white Christian family mm-hmm. is like the default basic family, and anything that strays from that is abnormal. Um, it's still the case now, honestly. I think yeah, like, no. Yeah, calls for diversity or like putting a black friend in the show. Still, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not really. Yeah, I, I have. A, I, I eventually I will do the entire rant that I have on this. But like, like this, this is a thing that like this is a powerful enough force that like for example, if you look at like every Asian American movie in the U.S., the the entire plot of every Asian American movie is trying to repair is a family like in an Asian family trying to become the white Christian nuclear family, but having problems with it because they're having family issues that get resolved, and then having problems with it because they're Chinese. Yeah. And it's like it, it's it's this like warping sort of like yeah. like structural basis of society that like it's like a black hole that like like it tears the fabric of reality and pulls everything else into it. You no, know, I I have the same gripe with a lot of 
just in general, like uh, movies and TV shows about marginalized people, Middle Eastern people, it always seems like the crux of the problem is cultural and uh, overcoming whatever issue the culture is having uh, to to disrupt this perfect white Christian life that uh, is presented as the ideal. But going back to abortion. You're sorry. <laughs> no, it's a, don't apologize. I, w- I would love to rant about this with you on another episode. You know what won't disrupt the white Christian hegemonic culture in the United States? Capitalism. The products. Oh. Well, actually, it eventually will because <laughs> the nature of extractive capitalism and endless growth will inevitably alter the world in ways that makes the lifestyles that those kind of people harken back to in their propaganda fundamentally untenable and impossible to exist on any kind of scale. But I don't know what my point was here. Here's some, here's some fucking ads. Oh, we're back. We're back. Let's go to the late uh, 80s, early 90s. So The ladies. The ladies. <laughs> uh, both Republicans and Democrats at this point, they were trying to appeal to the center for a while so they can re- remain as appealing to voters as possible. Um, Mary Ziegler is a law professor at Florida State University who has studied the history of abortion and the abortion debate. And she wrote in the, Was- in the Washington Post that the uh, 1990s and the early 2000s, for instance, many abortion opponents, they devoted their energy to, to supporting incremental restrictions like a ban on dilation or extraction, uh, which is a technique for abortions uh, later in pregnancy that opponents call partial birth abortion. Um, and this restriction was eventually passed at the federal level in 2003 and is far less sweeping than the heart, heartbeat bills that many Republican voters favor today which ban uh, abortions, as you know, at six weeks. Um, but Democrats, meanwhile, they were somewhat like equivocal on the abortion debate during this time period. Uh, Bill Clinton, uh, in, in his 1992 campaign, he famously said that abortions should be, quote, safe, legal, and rare. Uh, Hillary Clinton used the same language when she was running in 2008. Yeah, like, I feel um, like you still hear yeah. that, too. Yeah, you, you really do. Like, it's like... Just absolutely cowardly. Yeah. Like, we support <laughs> it, but also... Don't, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And obviously, more recently, both sides of the abortion debate, they've come to seek broader change among abortion rights supporters. There's been an increasing awareness of reproductive justice. And this term was actually coined in 1994. And it describes an approach focused not just on the legal right to abortion, but on safe, affordable access to a range of reproductive health care, as well as the ability, the ability to parent children safely. Um, and it was in the 90s that a lot of organizations started to be formed to help support this, to help uh, abortion rights justice, like, kind of take form. Um, Sister Song, which is the Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective, was formed in 1997. And it was by 16 organizations of women of color that formed these four mini communities. Uh, they were largely made up of Native American, African American, Latina, and Asian American communities. And they recognized that we have the right and responsibility to represent ourselves and our communities. Um, and I think this is important to note only because I don't think women of color get enough credit for le- really like leading the 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 fight to get reproductive rights. Um, I feel like a lot of, I mean, I can shit on white feminism all day, <laughs> trust me. Um, but especially when it comes to this, a lot of white women are like heralded as like, I don't know, these... Um, 
political heroes when really most of the time with most issues when it comes to this, uh, women of color are in the background doing most of the work. Um, that's another episode. Um, but uh, Sister Song defines reproductive justice as the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, and parent the children we do have in safe and sustainable communities. So it puts a lens on the emphasis of affordability of abortions, uh, as well as on the legal status that it needs to have to even be safe and affordable. Um, because the right of abortion means very little when we can't afford health care that we need. Um, yep. And this is something that Kimberly Innes McGuire said. She's the executive director of Unite for Reproductive Gender Equity, called URGE. Um, this is a uh, rights group focused on young people. Um, so there's a lot of things that like emerged during this more recent time that came focused on more the justice aspect versus just the the right to have it because it does doesn't do much if we have the right and yet um it's still inaccessible so in the last five years uh reproductive justice activists have campaigned to repeal the hyde amendment which was first passed in 1976 and it bars federal funding for most abortions it restricts Medicaid coverage for abortions, and the amendment makes it difficult for many low-income Americans to pay for the procedure. The opponents of the Hyde Amendment have had some successes. In, in 2017 and 2019, Democrats in Congress introduced the EACH, E-A-C-H, Woman Act, which would repeal Hyde and allow Medicaid to cover abortions. Um, but... Democratic candidates have campaigned to repeal Hyde as well. During her presidential run in 2016, Hillary Clinton called for the repeal of Hyde, and the whole Democratic Party followed suit, um, which is something that would have been unthinkable in the years when her and her husband were calling for abortion to be quote-unquote rare. <laughs> so things have progressed a little bit. Again, I think, uh, unfortunately, though, most of it is for following the trends versus actual morals, but that's my opinion. Um but on Hyde, um, uh, it feels like what has changed in the last five years is that a community of people um, led by young people, women of color, decided that the status quo was not good enough. So again, it's just people in, in the background doing most of the work. Um, and at the same time, abortion rights activists have been working to reduce stigma around abortion and to present the procedure as a normal part of medical of medical coverage. Um, in 2017, in response to efforts to strip federal funding from Planned Parenthood, activists and ordinary people shared stories of their abortions under the hashtag #ShoutYourAbortion. So the left party, the Democratic Party, is definitely leaning now, obviously, to be abortion positive. Um, but I also think it's definitely used as a way to attract voters uh, more than anything else. And um, yeah, uh, I mean, with our current president right now, uh, we all know he's Biden has had a mixed record on abortion, <laughs> which is like very a good, a good representation of just how flip floppy politicians can be. Because when he was in the Senate in 73, he was a 30 year old practicing Catholic um, who concluded that the Supreme Court went too far on abortion rights in the Roe case. He told an interviewer the following year that a woman shouldn't have the sole right and say to what, ha what should happen to her body. That's a quote. Uh, the sole right to say what should happen to her body. He Jesus. doesn't think women should have that. <laughs> and by uh. the time he left the vice president's mansion in 2017, 
He was 74 years old, and he argued a far different view, that government doesn't have the right to tell other people that women can't control their body. Um, which is interesting because he he not only was very vocal about being anti-abortion, but like he uh, used like in 1981 he crafted the Biden amendment to ban the use of foreign aid for biomedical research related to abortion. So he was not only like vocal about it, he actually tried to push it back, <laughs> and he repeatedly voted for this Hyde Amendment that prohibited the use of federal funds uh, for abortions, uh, including Medicaid, as I said. And both of these policies remain in place today, despite efforts by Democrats to end the ban on the use of federal funds. Here's one thought that I have. Please. And again, I, I, I continue to be an advocate and don't take this the wrong way. We should learn from the right and how they made the progress they did with mm-hmm. abortion. There are lessons there. And one of those lessons is that when you make something into the kind of issue that can get a politician elected, um, they will not actually pursue that issue if it's difficult um, unless you create true believers and put them into politics, right? Reagan got elected in part on abortion. Reagan didn't really do much about it. Mm-hmm. It was it was diligent periods of time of not just like putting people in politics who believed in the cause, but also of applying brutal pressure to elected leaders over decades who didn't conform or conform. And we don't have that kind of time with like, let's say climate change, but the same basic tactics need to be followed, which is you need to be vicious when you, when your leaders, when the people you elect don't move on these issues, Um, you need to be vicious and like a concerted and organized and like, you need to come down on them like the hammer of fucking God, you know? I think like, yeah. that's that's how yeah. you win. But I think that's the biggest difference with Republicans and Democrats is that Democrats, unfortunately, are far more cowardly in voicing what they want. Uh, even even now, Biden is pro-abortion, uh, quote unquote, but he hasn't even said the word abortion out loud ever. He's but tweeted Shireen, it once. Shireen, he tweeted put it. In it. A statement. Shireen, it was um, in a tweet. That the is... fact that there's a website, there's a web, there's a website that is called "Has Biden said abortion yet?" and there's just a big no on it right now, obviously. Um, but he has like cast this evolution of his views uh, as a like te- like wrestling with his teaching of his faith or whatever. Um, but it's obviously more it reflects a political calculation more than his views of fucking religion. Um, and in 2015, for example, he said, "I'm prepared to accept that at the moment of that the at the moment of conception, there's human life and being, but I'm not prepared to say that to other God fearing, non God fearing people that have a different the view." What does that mean? He's nothing. like, because he's it a coward. What, nothing. What the fuck does that? He's mean? a coward. Joseph, <laughs> Joseph Robinette, motherfucking Biden. What in yeah. the Christing fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, he also has quote has been quoted to say that this issue is the um like the most difficult thing he's had to wrestle with as a catholic kind of thing. He's definitely made it this like thing he needs to overcome or whatever the shit. I mean, like it's a religion, right? 
Sure. Uh, it's a religion and your religion has been at the very least what I'll say about the Catholics is they did not adopt this as like a, a venal political strategy, which the evangelical right did. Like they've been the Catholic Church has been consistent on this for a minute now. So I get why somebody who is legitimately a believing Catholic would have to struggle with this. But the way you what, what you what you say, if you're actually not like a fucking if you're not being a fucking goober about it, um, what you say is, hey, uh, this is tough for me because of my faith, but this is the United States of America, and my exactly. faith does not dictate what other people get to do, and so I support the right to access to abortion. That's what you say. Can you write the say. speeches, please? Can you do that? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, mean, I only it, want to bring that up because I just think the Democratic Party has conducted themselves in a really cowardly way when it comes to stuff like this, versus yeah, Republicans and, so, are so outright even like volatilely trying to tell you how they feel uh but but yeah that's that what where where do we go from here i don't know um yeah the world is the world it certainly is shireen and uh we'll be, we'll be back tomorrow uh chris what what's our focus tomorrow uh tomorrow we're gonna look at uh the other side of how they got abortion other than like sort of running it as an electoral issue, which is they did a an amount of terrorism that is so large that like most of the people talking about the terrorism missed most of the terrorism. Yeah, it takes a minute to list. Speaking uh, of terrorism, that's the end of the podcast. Here's ads. Oh, yep. ads. I I know. I just wanted. To Sorry, there is post roll ads, but if you're listening to yeah. them. <laughs> That's a choice. Bless. Bless. Uh, <laughs> hey, we always support people making the choice to listen to our wonderful advertisers like the Washington State Highway Patrol and lately Taser. Oh. And yeah, they've been running. Look, we did we don't approve that. We're getting them removed, but it is funny. Can I get a taser first? Or that is that not what that is? Um Uh I mean, Shireen, we can expense you a taser. Oh but... shit, great. I'll I'll send a list of what I want. Perfect. Okay, bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. It, it, it happened here. The thing that happened here was uh, anti-abortion terrorism. Uh, hi, I'm Christopher Wong. I'm hosting this. We're doing this really speedy. Uh, with me is Shireen, Robert, Garrison, and Sophie. Hi. Yeah, hi. Hi. <laughs> Don't feel too speedy. Take. I mean, this is an yeah. important issue. This <laughs> yeah. Is an important <laughs> we're, 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 we're going through the intro so we can get to the, we can get yes, to the content the faster. Get to the mm-hmm, meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get to the fucking meat. Let's get to the... Sandwich portion of the I don't know what I'm doing here. You're making talk about terrorism. <laughs> We're talking about terrorism, point. Sophie. Your favorite thing. <sighs> oh, God. Chris, save the day. So okay, we, we've we've talked about sort of abortion as a as a legal issue, but r- running parallel to the sort of legal electoral campaign against abortion was a wave, a, a systemic campaign of terror that ranged for every, from you know sort of individual personal humiliation and terrorization of individual women seeking abortion to like nail bombs and blowing abortion providers heads off with shotguns hmm. um yeah so it, it it's it's extremely bad obviously but I, I think there's a tendency among people who look at anti-abortion violence to sort of like isolate it from its historical context which is that okay the american right has always ruled by terror from like literally its earliest extermination campaigns against indigenous people who like whose land they stole to, you know, the sort of horrific psychological abuse and violence inflicted against slaves on their own plantation, who there's an entire history of, like, denying abortion people to slaves for numerous reasons. So, you know, there, there's no reason really to expect that anti-abortion uh, militants, like, wouldn't be violent. And I, I think it's worth noting that that the tactics of, of the sort of militant wing of the anti-abortion movement which are things like ar- arson, bombings, and assassination, are these? These are the key tactics of the of of the the segregationist movement when they were fighting against integration. And you know, lo and behold, uh, like as as abortion becomes the political glue for the right after they sort of, okay, well they they sort of lose the fight over integration. They they lo- they lose the ability to legally say like that you can't do integration, but 
a lot of the sort of de facto segregation like still exists. But yeah, like as I do that, like you still see, you know, you, you, you see a new generation of sort of right wing militants like taking the tactics of the old right wing militants and uh, using them to kill people. Which is bad. bad. Yeah. Um, for, the, for the record, yes, that is our official position. Yes, yeah. <laughs> bad, wow. Bad. Way to be we're taking a bold stance here. Radicals. <laughs> so I think we should start with someone who was not killing people because I, I think it's it's useful to see the sort of like the arc of, of, of how this movement goes. So John O'Keefe was a, a Catholic anti-war protester. Uh, he, he His thing was, OK, so he's anti-abortion, right? But he wants to fuse like the anti-nuclear anti-war movements with the anti-abortion movements sort of in, in the wake of Roe v. Wade. And this doesn't work because the anti-war and the anti-nuclear movements are, like, driven by leftists and feminists, and they're like, no, like, fuck off. Like, we're not going to, like, we want people to have abortions. So, you know, but but he, he, he still is, like, dead set that there should be this sort of, like, direct action against abortion clinics. And he, he managed to convince this, convince this, like, Quaker peace activist named Charles Fager to, like, teach the anti-abortion movement the sort of, like, techniques of, like, the civil rights movement and do, like, nonviolent civil disobedience. And so people, like, like in the in the early 70s, like, as, as Roe, like, is happening, people start, like, chaining themselves to abortion clinics. And, you know, like, I think this is, if, if you've been around the left long enough, like, these are tactics I think you'd recognize, but these, this, these are very, very different campaigns than you're sort of, like, chaining yourself to a tree. Like, the... And the biggest difference is like the the extent to which the focus is just purely on terrorizing people. So I'm I'm going to read a quote of like what these protests actually look like um, from the book Living in the Crosshairs: The Untold Stories of Anti-Abortion Terrorism. The protesters stand at the entrance to the clinic's parking lot and badger the patients when they come in. They get screamed at. The protesters write down their license plates. They send them cards. They make phone calls to their homes. Protesters also swarm clinics and harass the people who work there. Those window blinds, Christina, who uh, works at a, a, a clinic, explained while pointing at the huge windows that surround the conference table uh, in one of her clients. You pull them down, you can look through them, and you could find the protesters at the windows uh, looking in. And Krista, who's the, the person who's talking about this, like, she describes, like, the, 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 like, these protesters would walk up to her and, like, say her kids' names you know, in, in order to get like the, the, the doctor into this clinic who's doing the abortions, like they have to smuggle him in like the, he, he can't park in the parking lot because the abortion like protesters will get to him. So they have to they have to like smuggle him in 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 Krista's car. And like even then people follow them constantly, like the, the doctors and nurses have to like change their routes to work every day. They have these like decoys mm-hmm. they have to use um, yeah. like. Yeah. And, and it, for the record, I've gotten reports from folks who work for abortion access organizations saying they are now in multiple states using drones to follow people as they leave the Jesus. clinic to get their, uh, oh their license plate numbers. Yeah, that... God. That makes sense, but it's... Yeah, it, like, these people... Like, Krista, the, 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 the person I was talking about, like, she, she had to transfer her kids to a private school that, like, knew what her job was so that her kids wouldn't get harassed, and, like... We'll come back to this sort of quote-unquote nonviolent stuff later, but like even in its sort of like nonviolent phase, this is a terror campaign. Mm-hmm. The, like the 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 goal of this is to terrorize everyone involved, 
by stalking them, by intimidating them, by harassing them to yeah. get them to not do abortions anymore. Yeah, making patients or people that want abortions too afraid to get them and people that provide them too afraid to provide them. It's, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and but, you know, it, it, this doesn't really work in, in, in the 70s. And by, by the time you hit the 80s, it starts to get really violent. Um, in, in 1982, there's this guy named Donnie Ben, Don Benny Anderson and his two nephews, Matt and Wayne Moore, carry out the, the, the first anti-abortion, the first action of this, this right-wing anti-abortion. And also, they're like really anti-gay. Like they, they, they have a thing later on where they like, they have this giant celebration for like the Saudis beheading two gay dudes or three gay dudes. What? Like they're, they're horrible. Yeah. This, this network is called the Army of God. And oh, these yeah, guys, yeah, they're these guys. that sounds familiar. Yeah, they're they're this very actually, in some ways, like they're they're a very sort of quintessentially modern terrorist organization in that, like, they don't they don't have like a command structure, it's not even so much centralized cells, it's just like people just sort of can freely affiliate to it and like use this name to carry out attacks. And the first one of these is it's it's this guy, Donnie Benny Anderson, he kidnaps uh Dr. Hector Zavalos and his wife, Jean, and Originally, like the, the the their their plan is to kill them. Um, Don Benny Anderson, like he, what he writes about it is that he has been talking to God and he has been talking to Archangel to the Archangel Michael, and they have commanded him to go and kill this person. Oh my God! And eventually, like negotiators, fortunately, are able to like talk them down, and like the uh, the doctor makes this like tells them like yeah no no no, i'm not gonna do abortions anymore and they, they let them go but yeah i think like like it, it is important to note that like among people who are like this hardcore i mean and, and this isn't you know and i said like there are people a lot of people who are more moderate than this like the the whole sort of talking to god thing like that is not uncommon no that is like very yeah. common <laughs> no the, yeah. these are all people who in their churches will like say a bunch of gibberish words and tell everyone each other that they're speaking in like the secret language of God that God has like Spe put into their brains. S speaking in tongues. Yes. Yeah. So like, and, yeah, like, and I think, I think like there, there, there's some tendency to like, like I've seen, I've seen people try to write this off as people who are mentally ill. And it's like, no, 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 no. These are, these are just, no, they're not mentally ill. They just believe like, in a different world than you do. Yeah. And they're willing to use violence to make their world real. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the 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 letter that they write, uh, like while while they're holding these people captive, says, "quote Those who truly love God would kill the baby killers." Well, and it turned yeah. out later that uh, they've been funding their activities by robbing abortion clinics. And actually, that's another, that's the thing that doesn't that I I don't think I've I mean, ever seen any of the like like I don't think I've, this doesn't get included in like the list of terrorist things people do against abortion clinics, but they get robbed a lot. Like there's like a lot of these militants are just robbing abortion clinics mm -hmm. to, to fund their stuff. Um, and, well, and this is again, like the thing you have to keep in mind when you're trying to analyze it, like if you literally believe the things that these people literally believe, this is the only moral thing to do. Yeah. If there, if there were just try and like get in their heads, if there were an organization literally murdering babies every single day, this would be the right thing to do. That's like, you you have to actually like they're not crazy. They fundamentally exist in a a a world that is as different from from the one you live in as the world in a fucking Marvel comic. Like mm -hmm. it's 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 just another reality that they exist within. Yeah, and like you you get sort of like you get like like I don't know you call it like P 
people who are trying to play the centrist angle who were like, oh, like people on the left don't understand that it's like it's not about autonomy for them. They literally believe they're killing babies. And it's like that doesn't like a no. But like, yeah, like, yeah, the, the fact that they literally believe that abortion is killing children, the only thing that does is make them more fanatical and more militant. And it's like, yeah, like I, I used to sort of believe like I, I used to believe that like, oh, like people don't understand. That they really think they're killing babies thing. And then I went to college and I like read started reading about the history of genocides and I started reading about like what. How how common it is for people who commit genocides to literally believe that if they don't do this genocide, that uh, uh, the people they're genociding are going to kill them. And it yeah. was like, oh, oh, no, no, that that actually that just makes you more likely to do violence. Like it's. And yeah, you know, this this goes exactly how to expect. In fact, the, the, and this is one of the other things that, that they're very effective about, which is each attack like radicalizes more people to start doing attacks so remember, remember John O'Keefe, the guy who was doing the nonviolence stuff, like he starts questioning whether nonviolence is like the right tactic. And he, he never like bombs anything, but he like stops condemning violence in public. And mm. this this goes really, really, really badly, really quickly. Um, The Army of God publishes this like it's initially a very clandestine thing, but they published this manual about how to attack yep. abortion clinics oh my God. that has stuff from like, like pouring concrete over heating pipes, uh, how to make bombs. Um, they, they have this thing that they, the anti-abortion people do a lot, which is pouring uh, bucolic acid, which smells like it, 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 it is the thing that makes vomit smell bad. Like hmm. you, you can, you can smell like two parts per 10 million like of this thing like in, in a room and they'll, they'll take like a syringe and they'll inject it into a facility and like like one drop of this stuff is enough that like you can smell it like months later there's no way to like easily clean it and eventually like they're pouring gallons of this stuff like into abortion clinics into the ventilation system yeah yeah it's there are more than a hundred of these attacks to date too like it's they they've done this a lot yeah by 1984, this whole thing goes into overdrive. Um, I'm, I'm going to read a, a quote from, from the book Armed for Life, the Army of God and Anti-Abortion Terror in the United States. The National Abortion Federation identifies 30 incidents of arson or bombing in 1984, exceeding the previous seven years combined. The series of bombings included, but was not limited to, the offices of the National Abortion Fund and the American Civil Liberties Union in Washington, D.C., as well as abortion clinics in Virginia, Maryland, and Delaware. The signature of the Army of God was also found in a subsequent clinic bombing in Saratosa, Florida. Um, one of the other things that they do uh, that is that is great is uh, so they, they have this, they have a declaration of war that the Army of God sends. They also like like specifically send a death threat to uh, Harry Blackman, who was the Blackman was who was the guy who wrote the Supreme Court Justice who wrote Roe v. Wade. Which is like, you know, this is a fun thing if you've been like the whole discourse cycle about, oh, we shouldn't protest at these houses. Like, yeah, man, a terrorist group like threatened to kill the Jesus who wrote this thing. Like and and that guy, um, the, the, the guy who wrote that eventually carried out like this enormous bombing campaign where he started strapping like 20 pound like liquid propane tanks to gunpowder bombs and blowing up clinics with them. And th- this stuff spreads or spreads like wildfire. People start using the Army of God's bomb recipes to attack clinics in other ways. Like, yeah, we, we've, ta- we've talked about sort of like the other campaign stuff that they use. Um, and and this this starts to like a lot of the people who wind up in the full on terrorism stuff were like people who used to be like nonviolent protesters. So uh, Shelley 
Shelley Shannon, who, who'd previously been like a nonviolent protester, like goes violent in 1992 and starts doing these like butric acid attacks. And then she graduates to arson. She attacks seven clinics, offices and health centers. And these aren't like like when I say attacks, like this isn't like they threw a Molotov at it. Like she is making napalm. And like detonating napalm bombs like in, inside of these clinics. It is. Do they even care if people are inside or they, do, so do they just it, do it? it it's weird. Initially, they're they're targeting empty buildings, but they're like they're like working themselves up to it, and like they they start to be they 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 you can, you can read this in their writing like they they they're working themselves up to a point where they're like, well, okay, if there was a person in this building, we don't really care. They deserve and, it. Yeah, yeah. And but nineteen ninety two, the Army of God, like specifically in it in its manual, like as justification for killing people. And uh, lo and behold, one year later, after this is one of the other strategies they use Wait, a lot. Is what, they have these, what 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 was their justification? Uh, they're killing. It's like babies. well, they're killing babies, and uh, they, they, have, they, have, they have a bunch of Bible verses that they cite, and they're like, now we can kill people because they're killing babies. Tight. Wow. It's great. It's that's that's truly like in writing too. Horrifying. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and like like literally the next year, nineteen ninety three. There's all these. They they start doing this thing where they put wanted posters with like an abortion doctor's name in them, like like literally like stuff out of like a like a bad old west movie. And they'll have like their name and like where they live and like that fact that they're a doctor and say they kill babies. And uh, so you know, in 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 1993, uh, these posters go up for this doctor named Doctor David Gunn, and I. Uh, He's one day walking back to his car when uh, he gets shot three times in the back by Michael Griffin and he he dies. And he he is the first that David Gunn is the first abortion provider to be killed. And he is not going to be the last. He is um, not the last. Yeah. So th- this immediately and you know, the, the, the moment someone does it, it, like, it opens the floodgates and suddenly everyone is doing it. And so, you know, it, this, this makes people like uh, Shelley Shannon, who we talked about, like setting off napalm bombs. Who until this point has only like bombed empty buildings, like she starts like considering killing people. And a few months later, she shoots Dr. George Tiller. And if, if you're thinking to yourself, hold on, wait, I thought Dr. George Tiller was killed in 2009 and not uh, 1993. You are right. Uh, Shelley's assassination attempt, like she shot him like in both arms, but he survived to be murdered a, a decade and a half later. Um, wow. meanwhile, th- there's this guy named Paul Hill, who's just like a, like abortion clinic, like protester, right? He, he emerges in like the national media scene because he's, he's like the, he's like the guy who will go on TV and defend, uh, Michael Griffin killing, killing a doctor. Wow. And they just let him do this. He, he does the whole fucking talk show circuit. They just let him do, do this to TV. defend. Yeah. On, on live TV. He, he's on all of the mainstream networks to defend killing abortion doctors. Wow. And he does it again with uh, Shelley, uh, Shannon's attempt to kill George Schiller. And a year later, uh, Paul Hill walked up to Dr. Joe Britton, Britton and blew his head off with a shotgun. <gasps> Wounds his wife, turns around, and then killed an abortion uh, like at clinic escort named James Barrett. Like, they had this guy on TV fucking every night saying that he... That, like, Calling, saying that killing abortion doctors is justified. And that he fucking killed... He blew an abortion doctor's head off with a shotgun the next year. Well. And uh, yet, I don't think I'm, I'm. What's exciting is that I'm sure that when there are more attacks uh, by pro-choice oriented people, uh, at no point will anyone get brought on 
a TV network to say anything, no. but uh, but ask that cops get more money to crack down on them. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the, just the media asymmetry here is awful. And we're going to talk about this more in a bit because uh, it gets even worse. Um, so that that same year in 1994, there's a gunman named John Scally the Third who walks into a building and murders uh, Shannon Loney, who is a social worker and anti-abortion, like she's an anti-abortion and an anti-child abuse advocate who's working at Planned Parenthood, and he just walks in and shoots her. Uh, He shoots at a bunch of the doctors and the patients, and luckily they all survive. But then he goes to another clinic, and he kills social worker uh, Leanne Nichols, who was like working at the front desk there. And he's eventually arrested. He gets away with both of these ones, but then he, he goes and tries to shoot up a third clinic, and that one finally... Like he gets arrested for, but like, and the other thing is like the, the third clinic that he shoots at, like that's a clinic that had already, had already been bombed. This is a clinic that there've been protests at for years, and he's you know he goes there and he shoots at these at these people, and he kills two more people. And wow. yeah, and it's you know it, it, they just like keep doing this. And w- one of the sort of incredibly grotesque things is that like okay, so the, the 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 army of God has this. They have a website, right? And their website has these these things that they call like the prisoners of Christ. Who are like people who are like it's like prisoners of conscience, but like Christ, who they like celebrate and they like raise funds for. And one of the ways they do this is they have this thing called the White Rose Banquet, which is like one of the most offensive names I've ever seen for an organization. That's it's it's named after the White Rose Society, which is this like Christian anti-Nazi like nonviolent resistance group whose like leaders were all killed by Hitler for opposing Hitler. And they their thing is like, well, okay, so the abortion is the is the new Holocaust. And so, you know, they have this banquet that's like in support of these terrorists. And they at, at the first one in these 1996, they released this thing called the Nuremberg File Project, which was this like it was this archive of like abortion providers. It has like their names, it has their addresses, it has photos, it has their phone numbers. Um, they, they target like they, and it's not just like doctors, right? They target clinic staff, they target security guards, target anyone who's who's around there. And they have like these like lists of different categories of people. So for if, if you're still alive uh, your name will be in like bolded black. If you've been oh. wounded, your name will be grayed like grayed out. And then if you die, there's like a, if if you get killed or you die, there's a strike through through it. So this is this is a kill list they've assembled, and this is just like going around the internet. There's enormous numbers of of people who like providers who are who are put on this, and they also like the the the, the White Rose Society like at, at this banquet they start putting out wanted posters with like a thousand dollar rewards for closing a clinic. And five hundred dollars for like convincing a doctor to stop giving abortions, and because these people are just like like I cannot emphasize this enough like literal monsters. In, in 1998, they auction off the gun that Shelley Shannon used to kill George Tiller. Wow, that's like a fundraising thing. So yeah, and uh, there's a number of things you should think about. That one of that is one of them is the fact that the local police department absolutely had to be um, involved in that because normally murder weapons don't yep. go back to anyone that they're destroyed um which means the police were like yeah we absolutely want you guys to be able to auction this gun wow. off wow it's a very so, good point to bring cool up. stuff the fear tactics they would be like of course they would work if your whole if your name is on this list and you have a family and you you know what i mean like God, I'm mad. Yeah, it, it's, I'm mad. it's yeah. <laughs> I, I will say there is an interesting thing with this where like a lot of the, some of the, a lot of people who like get targeted by this stuff like it just pisses them off and they get even more committed to it which is like incredibly rad but also like jesus christ they just they have these abortion provider kill lists and people on this list get killed mm-hmm. and it's and encouraged like yeah. people are encouraging to kill them and, and like they, they do this in the open 
Like there are like literally like Christian radio stations will like they they will be they'll they'll do this thing where like they'll 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 start listing like 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 by name and the addresses of like where the abortion providers near them are and then start talking about the biblical verses that justify killing them and then they will literally say on the radio go kill this person wow. and they could just do this no, no one stopped them ever they just they just got away with this for for decades and decades so what one one of the other uh. I, 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 I think this bombing is famous, but I don't think the reason why it, it happened is famous. Um, so there's a guy named Eric Rudolph. Oh, yeah. I was, was wondering when you were going to talk about Rudolph. Yeah, yeah. So that's right now. So, so Eric Rudolph is most famous for uh, nail Ooh, bombing boy. the 1996 uh, yeah. Atlanta Olympics. He, he, he sure did. Yeah. He, he put, he put a Injuring bunch of bombs. hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. He injures over yeah. 100 people. He kills Kill, one. Killed one. Yeah. It was it a yeah. former special forces guy, right? Like yep. Yep. Green and Beret, uh, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And uh, he says that uh, his commander in the, the 327th uh, air assault regiment taught him how to make bombs, like out of, out of like scrap stuff. So he like. Yeah. So, so, okay. So in, he does it in 1996. He doesn't get caught. Right. This 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 guy this guy detonated a nail bomb at the fucking Olympics, and then and then a year later. Oh, uh, don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna a year later this twice. I the know. Next year, the next year, he 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 sets off a bunch of bombs and he sets off a bomb at an abortion clinic. And this is like he this this is a double tap bomb. There is a there is a bomb in a trash can behind the, that's that's designed to kill the first responders. Um, and this, this is injure seven people. Yeah. And yeah, and then, it injures seven, and it kills a police officer. Actually, I, I does it. Oh, I, I didn't it see does. that. But yeah, yes. yeah, it kills a police officer. Yeah, and then like the next one, he 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 bombs an Atlanta nightclub and wounds six people. Oh, no, sorry, specifically, I, you know, he does this twice. A yeah. gay bar. Yeah, he bomb he bombs. Yeah, he, bomb, he bombs a gay bar. Um, and there that that one he also like in the adjacent parking lot because again he was trying to kill the first responders. That the the police find a bomb and defuse it before it can go off. And again, they still don't get this guy. The not next not, not, year, not until two thousand three. Yeah, the the next year he bombs another abortion clinic with a nail bomb. This time, this time he kills a security guard named Robert Sanderson and like permanently injures a nurse named Emmy Leons, who was like Emily Leons, who was who was left like half blind and like permanently maimed by the fact that again he set off a fucking nail bomb. And, yeah, and, he he was not caught. He he was not he was not caught for a while. Yeah. And, and I, I want to stop here and talk about like how the bombing stuff is carried in the media, right? Um, as best I could tell, and I, I went and looked for this. No anarchist has killed someone with a bomb in the U.S. for a hundred years. Like Karl Marx was closer to seeing the moon landing than a, a baby born today is of seeing an anarchist kill someone in the U.S. with a bomb. And yet, anarchism everywhere is so constantly associated with bombings. Meanwhile, the anti-abortion freaks. Fucking, they bombed the 96 Olympics with a nail bomb. And he, on, when he was in his trial, he released a manifesto talking about how deadly force is justified yeah. against people who operate abortion clinics. He talks, he talks about a whole, a whole bunch of, like, a whole bunch of anti-gay stuff, a whole bunch of anti-abortion stuff. Like, and he's, like, he's given the mic, like, on his trial, just used to, like, read his manifesto. Yeah. Um, they just let him read his manifesto. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Wow. It's... <sighs> Like, Where are all the pro-life activists when it comes to, to taking life? That's interesting. Well, but well, no, know, they, I mean, but that's that's the thing, though. They're all they're all in favor of of like the lives they, of the they babies. See it, they think yeah, they're arguing killed. that it's self-defense or it's defense of yeah. these yeah. these these babies. I mean, I'm not like, the most well, well defense of those who stuff. can't defend themselves. Exactly, is what they'll yeah. talk about. Yeah, it is entirely within them the moral universe within they operate. It's it is entirely consistent. It's one of those things. Whenever like liberals will be like. 
why don't they do this or why don't they do that? That's not pro-life. And it's like, well, because the word doesn't mean the same thing to you yeah, that it does to them. Fair. Well, and, and, and the, the guys doing this terror, because like the, the, you will occasionally, like you'll get some, I mean, some of the pro-life people oppose this because they think it's bad optics, right? But apparently it's not bad optics because, again, like, who are the people who get fucking remembered as bombers? Like, and, and I want to I, I want to read a quote from from the FBI. This is this is this is from from the book Armed for Life in, in 1984, the year with the highest abortion clinic bombings to date. FBI director William Webster went on television and informed the public, quote, bombing a bank or a post office is terrorism. Bombing an abortion clinic is not an act of terrorism because the objective is social is social and anti-abortion violence. And I don't believe it uh, currently meets our definition of terrorism. Uh, Reagan's called Reagan called the, anti, the anti-abortion nonsense. It, it's worse. Okay. Reagan <laughs> called, called the bombings, the, the abortion clinic bombings quote, anarchist activities. <gasps> like they're fucking, they are blowing up abortion clinics and we're still getting fucking blamed for it. Like Jesus Christ. <sighs> I don't know a lot about, anything so this is a lot of this is news to me which is wild that i'm hearing about a lot of this for the first time no like, how have i not learned how, how have i not known about this they bombed the olympics and no one talks about it wow. like, i just like I, I was just losing my mind the whole time like it's it's bad and it's it's still happening it's not it's yeah. just like uh three people were killed and nine people were injured in an attack on a planned parenthood clinic in colorado back in 2015 yep um there's been over uh, at least at least at least eleven murders tied to uh, anti-abortion, uh, like like action, I guess. Uh, Twenty oh, twenty six are... attempted murders, at least forty two bombings, uh, two hundred arsons, and then thousands and thousands of more uh, like assaults and random yeah, and, and, random and incidents. We should also point out here when we're talking about the murder count, the murder count is is lower than it actually is because yes. the murder count doesn't count the people who like the Ameri- like specifically the Americans who went to Canada to shoot abortion doctors and the Americans who went to Australia to shoot abortion doctors, both of which happened. And, and threats against abortion providers have increased exponentially yeah. just since twenty uh, ju- just since twenty ten. Uh, like they have more than quadrupled. Like it is, it's constant. It, it's been escalating at such a mm-hmm. at such a rate that every year's data is insufficient for talking about yep. the current period. Like it's, it's you can't you can't even talk about it uh, because yeah. all of the data is so inaccurate now. That's how fast this stuff is accelerating. And and like and there's there's a few other things that like like we should mention when we talk about the statistics. Oh, one of the reason is the reason the death toll is like quote unquote only eleven is because uh, bomb making is really hard and a lot of these bombs don't go off. So for example, in, in yeah. Canada, a worker at a clinic discovered a bomb with two pounds of nails in it that quote had a destructive capability of a hundred feet. Um and and, you know, and and also like I I should point this out like okay so like they 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 there's a lot of abortion doctors who are killed like outside of their clinics but also. Uh, there's a guy named James Cop who uh, who shot he shot like four doctors and he shot them like in their homes, like with with, with an SKS, like in their homes through their windows. And he he killed Dr. Barrett Slippy in, in, in the 90s. And like and, you know, and like it they, and, like they, they keep doing stuff like this, like in, in 2001. I don't know if I, I wonder how many people actually remember this. I. Uh, there was this huge anthrax scare. What well, was it? An anthrax scare? Like, like people were like, like there were like, there were anthrax attacks. People were like mm-hmm. mailing people letters with anthrax in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, right as this is happening, um, a, a guy named Clay Wagner sends eight hundred letters signed by the Army of God with fake anthrax to plan player clinics in seventeen states. 
And these anthrax packets, like it's not just like flour, right? These anthrax packets have BT in it, which is, which is a, a pesticide that is so similar to anthrax that the package is tested, tested positive. And so all of these people, these eight, like 800 clinics who opened these letters, like thought they were going to die because they opened they opened a letter. There was white powder in it. It said it was anthrax and then it tested positive for anthrax. And like to this day, a bunch of abortion clinics like have uh, like like the, when, when they're, they're like when they open their mail, they have they have like a special room that is like sealed off so that if they open the mail and they open a chemical weapon, only the person reading the mail will die. Wow. Great. That's the sign of a good system. Yeah, yeah. They also a lot of Planned Parenthood have something kind of similar set up with the receptionist, where the basically the way it's set up is that if there's a mass shooter, the receptionist can like seal off everyone but them. Yeah, like it's like a thing that you know you're getting into if you're in a plant if you if you're in that gig, is like wow. someone might come in and I might have to die to try and stop them from getting to everyone else. It's it's bad. I mean, just just from 2019 to 2020, there was a 125 percent increase in reports of assaults and batteries uh, inside yeah. and outside clinics. Um, there was double the amount of death threats from 2019 to 2020, and things have not gotten better since 2020. So we're you know, just waiting for all that new data to come in because yeah. oh boy, yeah. And, and I think. There's another thing we need to keep in mind with this data is that there's so much stuff that doesn't get reported. All of those numbers are low. Every single one of them is normally low. And there is a bunch of other stuff that these people do that just never gets talked about. Um, well, okay, so before we get into that, I do want to talk about the most famous abortion provider who got murdered, which is Dr. George Tiller, who is like a genuinely incredibly heroic figure who... he was keep doing it after the first time you were shot. Like you would be yeah. a hero if you did it up until you got shot. Yeah, he, but to keep not going after. Yeah, yeah, like he got shot. His his clinic got bombed. There was an entire uh, I, oh, yeah, his clinic got bombed. What was the other one? Yeah, he 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 was he was one of the, he he was. I think he was. Actually, I don't know if it was that anthrax threat or like a different anthrax threat. But like people people like he kept getting anthrax threats. Um. There was this thing called Operation Rescue, which is, I guess there, there's still version of this around, but they're these, like, they, they do these, like, giant, like, nonviolent civil disobedience campaigns where, like, thousands of people will, will, will show up to a place and they'll, like, chain themselves to the buildings and they'll, like, prevent anyone from getting in and they'll, like, terrorize everyone around there. And his office is one of the, is one of the ones that was targeted in 1991, which is, like, in their, like, they had this big campaign called Operation Rescue. It was targeting, like, him specifically. And... Uh, there is one fun story in this, which is they tried this in Minneapolis in 1993, but uh, they got their asses kicked by a bunch of anarchists and had to all run away, which was extremely funny. But yeah, like I'm the the other thing that that's important with with Teller specifically is the extent to which the right wing media is like like culpable in this, um, like Tiller, like Bill O'Reilly specifically. Is is constantly yelling about Tiller. He calls Tiller the baby killer. He accuses him of running a quote a operating a death mill, executing babies about to be born, and destroying fetuses for just about any reason, right up until birth date. Uh, he, he one one of his rants. He he literally says like right before, well not right before, but like like pretty close to when Tiller gets assassinated. Uh, quote: If I could get my hands on Tiller, well you know can't be vigilantes, can't do that. It's just a figure of speech, but despicable. Oh my God, it doesn't get worse. Does it get worse? No. Well, so he's just like this is just like the shit that that he's that that he's being subjected to by the media, and then oh lo and behold, uh, he gets murdered. 
You know what doesn't... Uh-huh. I don't know. I have nothing to say. You um, know what doesn't do a, a coordinated... Uh, you know what ter- would be dope? Here, here's okay. what I'll say. You know what would okay. be dope? If when somebody came to shoot George Tiller, that person had gotten shot repeatedly. That would yeah. have been cool. <laughs> that would have been neat. But anyway, here's ads. And we're back with more horrifying stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I, th- there's a lot of focus, I think, you know, th- th- there's been a lot of media coverage recently about this just because, like, you know, as as a reaction to the incredibly bad faith, like, oh, look at the sanctity of, of, of people protesting at the Supreme Court. It's like they blew people's heads off with shotguns. But, you know, I, and, and like, that's good. And I'm really glad there's there's more media reporting about this. But. I want to talk about, you know, there's there's an incredible focus here on the shootings and bombings. And, like, there's good reason for that, but I want to talk about some other shit that the Forest Birth fanatics do because it's horrifying. It doesn't get talked enough about enough. Um, so one of the people who gets interviewed in in Living in the Crosshairs, which is a great book, by the way. It's it's about uh, – I mean, I, okay, I, I don't agree with all of its policy recommendations, but it's a book, like, interviewing, abor- like, abortion providers about their experiences. One, one of the people they interview is this guy named Rodney Smith, who's an abortion doctor. Um and I'm just going to read the stuff that they do to this guy because it's okay. So protesters show up to his son's wedding. Um, they, they burn his house and his farm down. They Jesus burn 17 Christ. horses to death. <gasps> they kill their dog, their cat, and all of their possessions. Wow. Um, yeah. Th- uh, from how, the book how do the, the horses crosshair. help kill babies? Can you tell me that? And the cats and the uh, Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, God, we'll, imagine we'll imagine if an anarchist group did this. Yeah. Everyone yeah, would um, lose their yeah. minds. I'm, I'm going I'm oh I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm to read a quote about this uh, for, from this book. So, someone mailed a letter postmarked the morning of the fire, justifying killing the animals on Rodney's farm because Rodney, quote, murdered little children. However, the letter was untraceable. Wow. They do this shit all the fucking time and it never gets reported. Because and the reason it never gets reported is because when uh, when when the, when this, this the city comes to investigate, they fucking destroyed the entire scene of the crime. They what? destroyed the entire scene of the crime so thoroughly that when the, the fire marshal showed up the day after, they 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 tried to arrest um they tried to arrest Vodney Smith Smith for evidence tampering because they thought that he had done it. Great. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. And, and oh. let, lest, lest you think this is the end of the shit that, 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 that this guy goes through, right? Like, they when, when they find out he's, like, going to, like, a conference, or, like, they find out he's staying in a hotel, they, they do these campaigns where, like, they'll, they'll do these mass call-ins to the hotel saying, hey, there's this person here, yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you don't kick them out, like, we're going to protest at all your branches, and he gets kicked out of hotels. Um, He gets attacked by an anti-abortion protester in the chambers of the Supreme Court. Like that Supreme Court, the the big one. How did they even get in the two, the chambers of the Supreme Court? He was just one of the, he was one of the people who was showing up at this thing. And the the guy like throws him out of his chair, like grabs him, throws him out of his chair, picks up the chair and starts beating the shit out of him with his own chair in, this is in the chambers of the Supreme Court. They beat an abortion doctor with his own chair. And, you know, so so Rodney had had security with him, right? Because I... you know, it, it, yeah, when, when you're an abortion doctor and, and people are this targeted at you, yeah, you, you have security so you don't get attacked like this. But the, the, the court wouldn't let him, like, bring his private security inside. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. their rationalization was uh, he had been assured that, quote, nothing ever happens in the Supreme Court. Wow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the, the thing about this, right, you cannot find a news article about this, right? A guy got beat up by these people in the Supreme Court. 
if literally anyone who was not a fucking forced birth anti-abortion fanatic did this, there would have been a news cycle that would have lasted until the fucking end of time. There would have been a movie and and three shows made about it. Yeah. And there's just nothing. Uh, Like that is wild. Like that is really showing like these things don't get these things aren't big problems, right? Because they 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 aren't challenging to any kind of power structure. So they're allowed to happen because they're just reinforcing things. They're not actually challenging things. Um, but still, it's very brazen uh, yeah. when you're killing like 17 horses and going yeah. into the Supreme Court to beat someone with a chair. You would think that someone would say something. Um, and I've never heard of this before. <laughs> no. Yeah, me either. It, like, this guy, and this, this is guy, like right up your alley, Gare. I know this is like. The thing I want to emphasize about this: this is the things they did to one guy, yeah, right? Yeah. One doctor. This is happening. You know, like this of. is yeah. right. Like, like this stuff. This kind of stuff is happening to people every fucking day across the country, and there is nothing. There is jack wow. shit. You might maybe see a report in the local papers. Like maybe it, it is a it is a it is a just a, an incredible campaign of terror. But this guy is like he is staggeringly based. Uh, he he this is quote from that book again. Uh, Rodney is used to this type of verbal abuse and sometimes reacts in kind. When a priest called him a murderer, uh, Rodney responded by calling the priest a child molester. When the, yeah, pro- yeah. the protesters told Rodney they were praying for him, he responded, "No, you're praying upon us. There's a difference." So he rules, and he like so he he'd been a doctor who like did other stuff. And when the abortion people, I think I think it was after they burned his house down, he was like, "No, fuck you. I'm only going to do abortions now." Wow. <laughs> he is like staggeringly based. Wow. He rules. Like yeah, which which I guess also like this is this is a thing that like so like obviously. Like, I don't think any leftist has ever fucking lit people's horses on fire. Not that I know of. Like, generally, left, generally, that, they, they would have more of an instinct to free the horses. Yeah, like, that, that, oh, like still, you, you have yeah, to, yeah. you have to be, like, genuinely monstrous to, to light horses on fire. Like, they scream. Yeah. Like, horses yeah, no. scream. Like, when you light them on fire. It's I like, mean, and, and, and cats and dogs. Yeah. Animal, like, an, animal abuse and animal, and animal murder by itself is, like, pretty, pretty uh, despicable. And there's... Yeah. Uh, just justifying it by saying it's because they were on the property of someone who helps gives abortions is yeah. some wild some wild thinking. Well, None I, of those I, words are in the Bible. Actually, there is there, there is a lot of animal murder in the Bible. That's true. Never mind. They do it's, kill a lot of people. They kill a lot of people and dark. animals. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. But 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 I mean I I I will say that there is a thing that can happen where if if like sometimes targeted protests on a person just like makes them reinforce like dig into their beliefs. And that Sometimes, can happen, yeah. and and I and I think like here, I think like th- there's a lot of people who are just stunningly brave who go through this shit and just still keep doing it because like this is something that they believe in, and and you know, and th- th- those aren't even like that extreme examples of like the kind of stuff that happens again. I mean, again, we've talked about like again nail bombs, right? Like people getting their heads blown off with shotguns there's there is a systemic campaign of terror that is felt incredibly acutely by the people who need these services who need to get abortions who need to get reproductive health care and is felt by the providers of that health care and nobody else in society sees about it or talks about it and they have you know okay so the the i'm, I'm gonna read another quote from living in the crosshairs about the tactics that these groups use because they have they have so many things these tactics include bombings, arson, anthrax scares, and mass blockades. Extremists have also thrown 
Butric acid into clinics, glued clinic locks shut, locked themselves to clinic property using items such as bicycle locks or chains, drilled holes into clinic roofs so that clinics flood, invaded uh, invaded clinics, vandalized clinics, made threatening phone calls, tried to persuade pa- patients to go to fake clinics, which we've talked about that in our, uh, our episode on crisis pregnancy centers, but those that is also like part of the systemic campaign of terror is deceiving and humiliating people yeah. into not getting abortions. Uh, they, they, they put spikes on driveways. They, they, they'll, they'll, they'll stand one of the, this is a very common thing is they'll stand on, t- stand outside of abortion clinics talking about how they're going to make bombs and like the chemicals that they're mixing. And uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll lay down on sidewalks in front of buildings. They will, they will jump on people's cars. Uh, they will camp out in front of clinics for like multiple day stretches. They'll, they'll, they send decoy patients like into the clinics to disrupt it. It's just so much. Yeah. And, and like, like the, the brazenness with like, again, like yeah. the, if there are things on there, like, okay. And like, okay. So like, I, I, I don't want to like make this point too much because like, yeah, you can get away with a lot of stuff, right? Even if the state is hunting for you, there's a lot of stuff that you could do that you can get away with. But like the, the level of stuff they've been able to get away with, like the, the fact that they've been able to literally on the air say that you should murder a specific abortion doctor, mention them by name. And the fact that I know people who have had the FBI show up to their doors because of jokes they made on Twitter. It is, it is fucking appalling. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, they're not, they're, they don't, the, the law doesn't exist. The law, law doesn't matter. It's all about who's actually challenging sy- systems of power. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and the, the the police are like again. This this is well one of they they, they literally do cross burnings, like fucking like they, wow. they literally do clan style fucking cross burnings. So I I, yeah. I can once again go back to the old Rage Against the Machine classic. Some of those who work forces are the same who burn crosses because it is literally the same people. The cops will cooperate with them. Like, um, there's the other thing they do a lot is uh they'll just like shoot bullets through the windows of clinics yeah that is they super constantly common. and they that never not, get caught yeah they, no 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 one no one cares that is very common yeah and like, like fire bombs happen to this day one of the incidents they talked about in that book was um so they like they, they, this, this is stuff that happened at like one clinic they, they 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 set the clinic's fence on fire in the middle of the night they uh plug the downspouts on like the roof after like a giant snowstorm so that like when when the snow melted the water like poured into this hole they drilled and it flooded the entire clinic um they had another one where they they drilled holes in the ceiling of the clinic and ran a garden hose through it and flooded the entire building and yeah again like none of this stuff ever makes the news like it, like well and you you can compare you compare the reaction to this to like to how they reacted to the animal liberation front right yeah like the absolutely, animal liberation front, absolutely. Like, that that caused there was like there are like there, there there are there are like like law enforcement like techniques. There are law enforcement organizations that exist today specifically to stop people like like that, that exist today specifically because of this campaign to stop the animal liberation front for freeing animals. Like these people, and, and you know, and I should say this like also like there, there, there's this whole push to like oh we need to call these people terrorists and like yeah like Bill Clinton called these people terrorists and like what happened nothing. Like they 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 got one law that was like fine that no, was like if, that was that was about trying to keep people from protesting right outside a clinic, but that got struck down by the Supreme Court because, again, we live in in a society if, that is constantly moving towards theocratic fascism. If you torch <sighs> construction sites or sedans or people wanting to destroy sections of forest, then you're then you're a terrorist. Um, if yeah, you and, and, send out yeah. mail bombs and do and kill a whole bunch of horses, you're just you're just some some dudes, I guess. 
Yeah, and, and one, one of the things that's incredibly frustrating about the story is there will be people who are being stalked, right? Or they're, they're being harassed, like they're, they're being intimidated. These people keep showing up. They'll call the FBI and the FBI will go, yeah, we don't care. And then the next day they'll get shot by the same person. Well, this happens multiple times with multiple and like both the, like the, 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 we, we talked about this with the person who killed Tiller. Um, a lot of the people who do these anti-abortion murders like were just irregular anti-abortion prisoners and, and like protesters. And like the other thing that happens a lot is like people will go to jail for an abortion bombing. They'll come out and they'll do it again. And it's like, you know, one of the one of the really scary things about this as well. I know this is this has been stated before. This isn't by any means a new a new a new uh, thought or framing, but with all of the laws getting enacted around the whole like bounty hunter side of things for like how yeah. there's going to be, you know, citizens being deputized to track down both abortion providers, and people who sought out abortion. Um, it's giving all of this strain of thought, like this whole, the, all of this driving ideology, it's deputizing it and it's giving it actual yep. legal backing. So it's no longer just ignored by law enforcement. It is now being encouraged by local yeah. governments. Um, and all of these, all of these same m motivations are now like you can get rewarded for doing this. Um, and oh boy, will people seize on that opportunity? Yeah, and and I think that there, there's a thing we can talk about with with fascism here, where it's like, okay, so like, what what is fascism? And if if you're looking at like one of the one of the things that like if you if you're using like a strict classical definition of fascism is the integration of 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 like party sort of like party paramilitary forces into the state, and this is what we're looking at is we're looking at these people who have been fucking a bombing abortion clinics for fifty years, like starting to do this stuff, and 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 I think like I'm gonna read another passage about. The kinds of stuff they do to individual people, because like I, I think you know, I mean, I keep going back to just like here's the the high level terror that they're doing, but like yeah, like the, the individual people, um, after being verbally targeted at her clinic for years, protesters started harassing Tammy Madison through various written communications. First, the protesters distributed flyers throughout Tammy's neighborhood, including one at Tammy's door. The flyer listed Tammy's address, the make and model of Tammy's car, and listed a telephone number purported to be Tammy's number. Then the protesters appeared at her home with signs displaying her name that said she kills babies and hires the baby killers. When they were outside Tammy's house, they handed out flyers about her to anyone walking by. They they do things like they'll, they'll use like licenses, for example, because again you have to get licenses right to 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 provide abortions to be a doctor, and so they use licenses to find personal information about people. These the, the people out there are like, I mean, they're right wingers, right? So they're they're really racist. They like. They they love screaming Jew doctor at people because yeah, yeah like they they racial slurs they they constantly out people like the nail bomb guy also attacked a gay bar so yep, yeah there's, yep. uh, there's a lot of uh, crossover in terms yep, of yep. Uh, who they want to attack yeah and like they they do constant death threats there's also a thing I want to talk a bit about which is like th these malicious legal lawsuits so one of, one of the ways that people go after like clinics is that they're constant like these clinics are like constantly under legal therapy. people are constantly suing them people people are suing them just to find out personal information about them because the yeah. court will give court will give you information uh they get they have like these fake like fake case inspectors who will come in in order to infiltrate the things like they have there's legal enormous legal pressure from the state itself which is often trying to destroy these clinics they're, they're like they'll, they'll pass laws specifically to make it so the clinics can't operate in various ways um like People who are just like district attorneys will will do investigations into them over and over again. Uh, they also they go after like the the kids of providers constantly. Uh, I, I read a story from this book that again like no one ever talks about. Like 
they they kidnapped this this provider's child, like her like twelve year old child, like at a clinic, and like tried to indoctrinate them, and then eventually gave them back after a few hours. But like again, like well. they they kidnapped a child of one of the people who works at these things, and there no one even talks about it. Like there's never there's never anything. I just. I don't know. Like I, I, I just like the, the the more you go into this, is like the more stuff that you see that like, like they they target people's parents. Still, like show up at, at like the nursing homes of like the parents of like of these doctors. Like they'll, they'll target their neighbors. They go after the donors to the clinics a lot. Like they'll 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 send them pictures of like bullets and knives. Um, one of the things they do often is that they'll just burn down completely the wrong clinic. So there's been a lot of cases where they just they they attack the clinic next to it because they're not yeah mind-boggling the stuff they've gotten it's yeah i want to i want to end on this guy named john brockenhoft who he bombs three abortion clinics over two decades like he's one of the guys who they sent to prison and then he came out and then he bombed another abortion clinic um and i want to read this quote from him my orders to vietnam didn't suddenly materialize unexpectedly i volunteered to go because i saw the south vietnamese people were being threatened by a communist takeover and I figured if they were willing to fight for freedom, they deserved to be free and deserved help too. He goes on to point out, in January of 73, I had just returned from voluntary participation in a bombing campaign in support of the liberty of people 8,000 miles away. So I hope you will believe I, will, I would not have turned my back on my own people, American babies. My own people, American babies. If you had asked for my help in bombing an, abortion, an abortionary in this country... Even in '73, and especially since it was not mere liberty, but very, but their very lives at stake, I would have gone with you. So this guy's literally saying he's still fighting the Vietnam War, but he's doing it to bomb abortion clinics, and he went to Vietnam because he wanted to kill communists. And uh, this guy uh, was at the Capitol on January 6th. That, that, that sounds about right. So yeah, yeah. like it, like one of yeah, we're, we're like the moment we are at now is this sort of detrius of like. Every crime the U.S. has ever committed is just rolling back, and you know we're 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 see, we're we're seeing all of these people who yeah fought in Vietnam and came back home and like killed a bunch of people who did abortions and did a bunch of bombings, and now they, you know, and they 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 tried they just tried to do a coup. They're probably going to get away with like an actual like a legal coup pretty soon because they've now seized control of the court system, and it's like well. Yeah, They've this, done is, this is how they do really, it. They, they do a really effective uh, combination of violent direct action and legal challenges. Uh, their their actions able to be so successful. Uh, one because like the tactics they choose cause material da- damage and material change, but also obviously like they're not getting like investigated yeah. the same way anyone yeah. else would, right? Because like they they are they are capable of doing this effective action. Because they don't face any any similar level of oppression to any other group that would that would be do, doing this, especially if they're on the left. Um, so, like, it's 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 always useful to look at the tactics of your enemy and how they and how they do certain things. But you can always have to realize, like, this is the same thing with January sixth. If it was a whole bunch of people in black block storming that, the uh, response from the cops would have been very different uh, initially and continue along throughout the whole day and the subsequent investigations um so yeah always good to look into tactics but 
the the response from the government's always going to differ depending on who's doing the actual uh, uh, challenging. Yeah, and, and I think I was going to say two things about this. One, like th there are things you can learn from how the right operates. You can't carbon copy their tactics and try to do them from the nope. left because it just won't work because the start the structural conditions for the left are just different. But the second thing is also that like. It, it, it is simultaneously true that the level of repression against leftists is higher than it is against right-wingers, and also it, that's true, and it's also true that you can do stuff, and, like, people have, and, yeah, I mean, like none of the James Revenge people have gotten caught yet, so, like, you know... We, we will we will see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe by the time this episode comes out, and well, that'd be no, I mean, like, we'll, we'll, we'll see, like, in general, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Especially, especially when movements are decentralized. Um, but, yeah, I mean, wow, they sure get they sure get to get away with a whole bunch of stuff. You can yep. be doing like pretty public uh, bombing incidents for almost a decade and not get caught. Yep. Um, if you, you can, just you so can, you can bomb not... the Olympics and not get caught for like seven years. Yeah, it's wild. And I'm also just assuming the vast majority of these guys are white, and so they're not. Oh yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also that, and also the fact that this didn't happen like a long time ago it's still happening and that's yeah. crazy that we yeah. still don't hear about it like yeah like we, we talked about we talked about on this show like a few weeks ago like the like, people people lit another abortion clinic on fire like that happens still and will continue to happen and yeah. people continue to not care about it because it doesn't threaten anyone who's in power and so the media doesn't care and it's been it's, happening long enough that there's this sense of like normalization around it it's not seen yeah. as radical it's seen as oh, obviously some people think that's justified. It, it's not. It's not surprising, mm -hmm. um, and that normalization allows way more people to both feel capable of doing something, and it when it happens, there's not as big of a fuss. I, I I do think it's also true though. Like I think there are a lot of people. Like I think most people don't know that this happened. Like I I think I think the, the there's an extent to which the level of violence has been totally invisibilized. Sure. And, you know, because, I mean, the other thing about this, again, is the reason that they're working like this is because this this is a completely minoritarian position, right? Like, they, they don't actually have that many numerical supporters. It's just that they're able to sort of, well, I mean, you know, they, they, they have enough people to wage a systemic campaign of terror, and because of that, they're able to inflict their sort of, they're able to inflict their, their fascism onto the, re onto the rest of the population, <sighs> that's a good well, ending sigh that was a good ending sigh yeah Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Unfortunately, some of these recordings haven't got the best sound quality. We were walking around the Butterfly Center. Uh, we tried our best to block the wind, but uh, some of it's pretty blown out. And we still wanted you to hear them, so we've included them, but apologies that the sound quality isn't what it could be. There was a time when you could have been forgiven for believing that American fascism had been thoroughly beaten back, marginalized, and damaged beyond the capacity for reconstitution. Only the very foolish and dishonest believe that today. Every time the far right has taken a serious beating in this country, they've had a place to retreat to, a sanctuary to reorganize, recoup, and surge out again towards the halls of power. That sanctuary is the U.S.-Mexico border. There's a song I quite admire by the drive-by truckers named after a young Mexican man, Ramon Cassiano. In 1931, after the kind of stupid altercation young men have been having since time immemorial, Ramon was murdered by another kid named Harlan Carter. Harlan was convicted of murder and then led off by another judge due to a procedural issue with his case. It hardly needs to be said that Harlan was white. He went on to join the Border Patrol during a period when it was seen as a model of good racial policy by the Nazi government in Germany. Carter rose to lead the Border Patrol, helped to militarize it, and then went on to run the NRA and turn it from a simple gun advocacy organization to the far-right culture war institution it became. Everything we're dealing with today from the far-right started at the border. And, to quote from that song, that's still where it is today. But the border is more than just a battleground in America's endless culture war, and it is more than just the system of violence men like Carter helped make it into. 
The United States' border with Mexico stretches from the Atlantic to the Pacific, through the homelands of many indigenous peoples and across the migratory trails of numerous species. And to many, many people today, it's still just home. Mariana Jones-Wright runs a butterfly sanctuary that has, somewhat improbably, provoked the direct ire of a U.S. president and become the center of a series of conspiracy theories. She also grew up along the border in the Rio Grande Valley. In high school, she'd take trips to discotecas and bars in Reynosa, just across the border from McAllen, Texas. Today, she runs the National Butterfly Sanctuary just outside of the nondescript town which seems to have endless strip malls, big box stores, and family-run Mexican food joints. You can go there and see wildflowers, walk in the woods, and if you're lucky, like we were, you might even find a snake and some monarch butterflies making their way across the continent without regard for borders or immigration checks. So, you know, growing up here, we all led very fluid lives, and I use that word deliberately. I mean, in the 1970s, during the gas crisis, you know, when Carter was president, drive to Mexico to gas up our cars and then come back. In high school, we would go to Mexico for lunch and cocktails and then come back for class or skip class and come back for football games on Friday nights, Saturday nights, we were all in Mexico partying our asses off. They had the best discos and clubs and our parents were over there too having dinner and I know people citizens who live in Mexico because it's more affordable because they have reliable electricity. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, y'all are laughing, but I, no, 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 no. The border, for most people living there, sometimes called fronterizos, is an inconvenience. You have to drive to a certain crossing, sometimes your truck gets checked, sometimes the port of entry is closed and you're late for work. But in the public eye, especially during and after the 2016 presidential campaign. It looms like a scene from Lord of the Rings. And since then, it's also started to look like one. So growing up here, I knew there was illegal immigration. It's impossible not to know. I mean, nearly everyone knows someone who came across... They came to visit family on a short-term visit and didn't come back home, or they crossed the river somewhere. But you'll see here, our river is wide and deep and dangerous. It's deadly. Um, I mean, when I was growing up here, and I'm 52, I had friends who lived in Mexico. Their parents had homes and businesses here and there. Some of them read, rode the bus across the bridge every day for school in the morning. I mean, it was nothing. We never thought of anyone's, you know, in terms of citizenship or anything else. And also, sort of liminal zone where Have 
and there seems to be hardly any in between. In mainstream media, the border's presented as dangerous, as are the people crossing it. But it's hard to feel that you're in danger when you're watching the sunset over the Rio Grande and listening to the owls who begin their work after dusk in the ever-diminishing wild places along the river's north bank. Until a couple of months ago, we were coming out here four or five times a week, sometimes twice a day on our boat, yeah. and bringing a lot of journalists out. It almost never wound up in their reportage because they never saw anything. Right. You know, they were like, "Yes, take us out on the river. We want to see the illegals crossing." And we're like, "Yeah." We're like, "Dude, the only way to do that is to hook up with the MAGA." campaign officials working with the border Some of the most beautiful and fragile landscapes in the country along the southern border. Part of Mariana's work is introducing kids to them. I've been lucky enough to spend time in many of them. Camping in East County, San Diego, where the PCT begins, is one of my favourite things to do. Riding my bike in southern Arizona is an adventure I take at every opportunity, and I'm not the only one. From jaguars to butterflies, many species of wildlife live along the border and pass over it on a daily basis. The border might look serious on a map, but for much of the last century, you'd have struggled to point to it on the ground unless you had a GPS device and far too much free time on your hands. These kids that'll be here this week as part of their academic study, they thought the Rio Grande Valley was a desert. They didn't know that, you know, that we had 11 biologically distinct ecosystems in a four-county region that would fit inside San Diego County, California, that, you know, that we have the river that's not a trickle when everybody flushes their toilets, you know, like it can be in El Paso. I mean, they, they had no idea that we're the edge of subtropical, you know, America, the neotropics in America. Since 9-11, though, the border's become a physical thing. A landscape thriving with life that's somehow found a way to exist in places that can kill you with heat in the day and cold in the night, and sometimes both in 24 hours, has been torn apart to provide people who have never been there with a chance to grandstand about security, and various government contractors a chance to line their pockets. Ted Cruz recently posed in a boat wearing body armor and standing next to a machine gun, just feet away from where we watched recreational boaters sail lazily along the river. As we walked from the centre down to the river, we spotted some trash on the ground and went to pick it up. It turned out to be a battery, the kind used in a tactical flashlight or weapon light. Mariana doesn't use those, and it wasn't there last time she walked down the trail. It's not just the wall that's ruining this landscape, she says. It's the constant presence of militarised border patrol, who see the area as a conflict zone, not a conservation one. As I was saying, they're the ones who leave the, the trash everywhere. But they're very commonly used on the kind of lights used for guns. And... Yeah, a little Mariana knows this only too well. Her butterfly center backs up to the Rio Grande. It's a beautiful, peaceful place, but since 2017, it has been under threat from the relentless militarization of the southern border. The butterflies, she says, are important for a number of reasons. So butterflies are critical pollinators to all of the green stuff, most of which we don't eat. People know bees pollinate about one third of our food. 
And so they care about bees now because everyone would hate to lose one third of our food. But butterflies pollinate all of the grasses, wildflowers, shrubs, and, and trees on the planet, the ones that reduce erosion by holding the ground in place against wind and against rain and floods, the plants that reduce the radiant heat that would come off of the earth if we didn't have the green stuff. They filter the water going into the water table and they produce oxygen for us. They filter our air. That's why butterflies matter. And that's why everybody should care about them and do what they can in their communities with their endemic native plants to provide habitat for butterflies. It's not just the butterflies who are in danger, either. It's disgusting. Um, but it is... I hate to say entirely predictable, but it's fairly predictable in an in-stage capitalist society where we're moving from a military-industrial complex to a border security one, where border walls and border security are the United States' number one export. And, and most people don't even know about Vortac. I have been shot at by Vortec many times. Yeah. And people don't realize it was the CBP drones that were flying overhead in Minneapolis. Matt. To understand exactly what is at stake, both for the border and the butterflies, it's important to understand exactly what the border wall looks like on the ground. The border wall ecosystem is not just a wall. It's a towering 30-foot steel structure topped with anti-climb plates. Along the barrier, which is often hundreds of yards from the actual border, there's a road wide enough for two of the expensive pickup trucks the CBP drives to pass each other. In remote areas, a road to allow construction vehicles to get to the wall also had to be built. For landscapes that had been untouched for centuries, it's been catastrophic. That's why the National Butterfly Sanctuary fought the border wall. In the summer of 2017, they found contractors on their land using heavy equipment to destroy the plants they had worked so hard to protect. After we found the contractors here, illegally clearing our land with no uh, right of entry, no eminent domain exercise, no waiver of NEPA and other laws. We, um, you know, we filed suit against the federal government. That brought some publicity. And with it, a lot of people who said, you know, that we, if we opposed border wall, we must be for illegal immigration, as though the issue is that simple. The wall, in addition to being a colossal expense, much of which is funneled to Zeckelman Industries, a Canadian-owned steel company which was fined $975,000 by the FEC for legal donations to the Trump campaign in 2020, is pretty useless. The border wall is built miles inside the United States, that Border Patrol picks up ladders every day, um, to share photos of ramps built so vehicles could literally drive over border wall, like, you know, the old Range Rover commercials and, and, and also other breaches. Um, we also got a chance to explain to them that 
Up until President Trump, the Border Patrol Union itself had opposed border wall. They had called it a waste of, of monies, ineffective, um, and really uh, irrelevant to their mission of preventing illegal entry to the United States. Walking along the border, we found half a dozen ladders constructed from old wooden pallets. Alongside them were IDs, clothing, and detritus that migrants had either abandoned on their journey north or had thrown out for them by border patrol agents who'd apprehended them. Either way, these discarded things told a sad story of young people, sometimes parents and sometimes children with siblings, crossing a river and then a wall to try to get a chance at a better life. What the border wall does do, very effectively, is funnel people through the giant gaps in it. From Texas to California, the Trump administration has rushed to build as much wall as it could in order to live up to the wildly exaggerated claims that Trump made in his 2020 election debates. We now have as strong a border as we've ever had. We're over 400 miles of brand new wall. Of that over 400 miles, 350-odd were repairs to existing barriers or secure fences, as they are technically termed. But the rest was built in places that were easiest to access. In Southern California, mountains and valleys are simply skipped. The wall stretches across the flatlands in between. People are forced to cross in these gaps, in the hardest places, and as a result, many more of them die. The Butterfly Center isn't one of the hard places, but Mariana has found dozens of identity documents, some of them in evidence bags labeled Department of Homeland Security. She says that people aren't dumping them. They are being stripped of their documents when they are detained. I know that the other side, as was seen in the videos of the end of January, they claim that the cartel strips the migrants of their phones and their ideas and stuff, and that's a lie. The cartels allow the migrants to keep phones because the phone is how they communicate with family to say, you have to send more money, or, you know, I made it this far. Um, the phone is the bank lifeline that not only, uh, you know, aids the, the immigrant, the cartel. That's the only way they get paid. And um, the fact that Border Patrol is making people undocumented is something folks in the United States don't understand. They don't see that we find garbage bags full of medical records, birth certificates, marriage licenses, IDs, and other things from migrants that they have brought here with them to prove their identities and, and their illness or the violence that they, they've suffered and everything to make their asylum cases. But Border Patrol trashes all of that. Throughout the four years of the Trump presidency, the Butterfly Center fought to protect the ecosystem they had created and to keep the pristine riverbank for barn owls, not Border Patrol trucks. Mariana isn't alone. The South Texas Birding Preserve was forced to back out of a deal with the feds after a community outcry at the thought of the loss of one of the very few wild places in the area. While they have, so far, been able to stop the construction of portions of the border wall, they have not been able to stop the multiple armed agencies that police the border, and often each other, from encroaching on the center's land. Currently in Texas, there are several overlapping missions to protect the border. Under Operation Lone Star, Texas National Guard soldiers are deployed to protect the border, 
and prevent drug smuggling and child trafficking, at least according to the office of Governor Greg Abbott. Sadly, they're not able to protect themselves from each other. So far, four soldiers have died by suicide, two in accidental shootings. Texas law allows National Guard soldiers to bring their own personal weapons, which were responsible for both deaths, and one drowned trying to save migrants from the river. Because the troops are deployed under state orders, not federal ones, they receive fewer benefits and their families are not compensated as well in the event that they die. In addition to the 10,000 Texas troops, there are also 4,000 National Guard soldiers on federal orders along the border. Task Force Phoenix, as it's called, is a combination of 34 different guard units stitched together with very little cohesion or prior experience working together, and has been blighted by low morale. Troops in this deployment are three times more likely to have a car accident than seize illegal drugs. And a battalion deployed to McAllen had three soldiers die, the same number as the rest of the National Guard combined that year. DUI issues are so common that breathalysers are being issued to units. The crisis isn't at the border. The crisis is the border. It's not only United States soldiers dying along the southern border, it's also migrants. According to the Missing Migrants Project, and this data is admittedly better viewed than it is heard, migrants coming from Central or South America are far more likely to die at the USA's southern border than they are at any other point on the way there. 1,248 people died or went missing last year making the trek north, 595 of them at the border. Given that the border, both under Republicans and Democrats, is a weapon that's increasingly effective at killing people and increasingly present in political debate, it's surprising how many people have never been there. The border, at least the bits of it without the wall, doesn't feel violent. One night while we were in Texas, we sat on the bank of the Rio Grande and looked across the river at the sunset. Behind us was a wall funded by private donations to a group called We Build the Wall. It's built so close to the river that the wake from the Border Patrol boats will see it undermined and washed away in less than five years. Across from us, little cabanas and bars studied the shoreline. It looked idyllic, and were it not for the thousands of armed people who make it their job to stop it, it would have been quite nice to swim across for a drink. Swimming over was out of the question. But the peaceful border we encountered was not the one you'd recognise if you've seen Fox News over the past four years. For much of middle America, the border's constructed as a lawless land, somehow also as a desert despite the fact that 1,200 miles of it are marked by a river, and a place where cartel violence goes unchecked, human trafficking runs rampant, and young children are snatched away from their families and sold into sex slavery. Of course, young children are snatched away from their families at the border, but that's your taxpayer money at work, not the Zetas or Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación. Sadly, the Butterfly Center's opposition to the wall combined with this political theatre at the border to place a group of people who just wanted to be left alone to be nice to butterflies at the centre of a culture war they wanted nothing to do with. At some point, the Trump White House became aware that 100 acres of Texas grasslands were holding out against all the legal, and questionably legal, efforts of Department of Homeland Security and the Trump administration to destroy the little haven along the Rio Grande. We know that Jared Kushner said in May of 2019 in the Oval Office, we solved the butterfly thing. And, uh, and Steve Bannon had been, uh, you know, the formal, former special advisor to President Trump. And then he is the one who started this PSYOP. 
and they took aim at us and uh, instead of us being against the wall and possibly for um, open borders, they declared that we were a cartel front and actively engaged in trafficking humans and drugs, that we were uh, not about conservation at all, but we were selling women and children into sex slavery. Mariana's Twitter bio, at the time of writing, reads, Do no harm, take no shit. And that's the approach she took as the MAGA community began to sling an increasing amount of shit at her. The North American Butterfly Association filed suit against Brian Colfage, slash We Build the Wall, Tommy Fletcher, slash Fisher Sand and Gravel, slash TRG Construction, and Lance Newhouse, slash Newhouse and Sons, on December 3rd, 2019. Colfage, a US Air Force veteran, attempted to crowdfund the war after Congress wouldn't fund it, to the ridiculous extent that Trump desired. He raised over 25 million. In August of 2020, Colfage was indicted along with Steve Bannon and two other co-defendants, on federal charges of defrauding hundreds of thousands of We Build the Wall donors. Federal prosecutors said that despite repeatedly assuring donors that Colfage would not be paid, the defendants engaged in a scheme to divert $350,000 to Colfage, which he used to fund his lavish lifestyle. Colfage was separately indicted in May of 2021 on federal charges related to his falsification of tax returns. In April of 2022, Colfage entered a guilty plea, having accounted for about 10 million in spending and a little under five miles of actual wall. Colfage's attempts to build the wall in Texas were hampered by the National Butterfly Center lawyers, who argued that it was a flood risk, because it is, and by various tax issues that Colfage's team seemed entirely unaware of. While they hoped to transfer the wall they built, which they called the Lamborghini of walls, to federal ownership, CBP wanted nothing to do with it, as they were building their own wall outside of the floodplain. After ignoring a 2019 ruling, Colfage eventually built about three miles of wall in Texas, and then declared the project complete. November of 2019, with litigation ongoing, Colfage took to Twitter to accuse the National Butterfly Center of having a rampant sex trade taking place on your property, and the death, sick, Bodies. When we first saw Brian Colfage's uh, tweets and the We Build the Wall videos using my image and talking about the butterfly lady and everything and, and the butterfly center, um, at first, you know, we, we kind of reacted with humor like, this is too funny. Like, who in their right mind would believe any of this? And you know, we even tried addressing, I mean, I didn't know who Brian Colfage was at the time, but, you know, we replied, like, um, you have a very, very active imagination or you're a really, uh, you know, twisted person. And we used the hashtag liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> because we really did think it was ridiculous. But... Any notion that this was not deadly serious was soon dismissed. And now I've become this lightning rod for extremist. 
Judaism in American politics, or as I've told others, you know, I've had I've, I've had a lot of journalists ask me, what does it feel like to be at the crossroads of the culture wars in America? And I'm like, I'm not at the crossroads of the culture war. I live in the borderlands, which are the proving grounds for fascism in America. That's where I live. And we're going to see it more and more. Everybody's going to see it more and more. They test things like the aerostat balloons here. And the fact that we didn't cut them loose and shoot them down and set them on fire. The fact that we were like, oh, that's kind of a pretty innocuous, you know, white balloon in the sky. We can live with it means that now it's gone out from under DHS to DOD and it's being deployed across the United States. Coming soon to a community near Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. 
the 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May live on NFL Network ESPN2 and streaming on NFL Plus terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more A few weeks after Colfage's tweet, the Butterfly Center closed its rusty gate. It reopened in late April of 2022, but the almost three months in between were a harrowing experience for Mariana and for the staff when we arrived at the center in early March. There was a police surveillance tower posted in the car park, and young men in Humvees on the road we traveled down to get there. Despite them, or perhaps in a sense because of them, and the theater they represent, Mariana doesn't feel safe. She carries a gun on her property. Even without the wall, the militarization of the border has had a huge impact on the center. If you walk down to the river, she shows us some of the roads and access routes that have been built. Concrete goes here in the base of the levee or midway in the levee. And then they fill the gap to make this road up here wide enough for two to three vehicles. And then down here, they'll have a high-speed all-weather road. So we fully expect there's border wall, and then there's border wall system. The road, the lighting, the sensors, um, those sorts of things are part of the system. And we fully expect they will seize our land, clear and alter this for system. Otherwise, they come down this high-speed all-weather road, have to slow down, go up, and drive along the canal. And we know the number one killer of Border Patrol agents is motor vehicle accidents. As we walk along one of the roads, we talk about the impact the wall has had on wildlife. I tell her a story about a deer I saw try to get around the wall into a pond. For whatever reason, it was so desperately sad that I can't forget it. The devastation the border wreaks on human life tends to get the most press, and rightfully so. But Mariana has spent years watching the wall spread like a cancer over the ecosystem she loves. Sites, the addition of herbicide to, uh, you know, keep the enforcement zone dead and free of any vegetation. It has to do with the installation of all-night bright lighting that disrupts mammals. And of course, the wall, when it eliminates range area when it when it forms that barrier for land mammals and reptiles you eliminate genetic diversity from from breeding you eliminate seed distribution all kinds of other things so um, no there's no way to build a wall like that without messing it up Of course, the human cost is even higher. Mariana first became aware of exactly what was at stake when she, like millions of other people, opened up her phone and learned about the most recent in a string of hate crimes inspired by anti-immigrant rhetoric. A very disturbed young man drove from Plano to the Walmart in El Paso and massacred 22 people and injured dozens others. We were very much aware of that and believe that is ultimately what We Build the Wall seeks to provoke here. 
The shooter, who openly targeted Mexicans and believed in the Great Replacement Theory, which is common among white nationalists, had posted a manifesto on 8chan before he started his killing spree. In that manifesto, he complained of a Hispanic invasion and used rhetoric that mirrored that of Colfage and his fundraising collaborator, Steve Bannon. 2019 was the year the 8chan shootings dominated news coverage on extremism. I found myself as the world media's go-to guy for explaining what had happened. The hardest thing to get across was how much of the hate that had ended in dozens of murders had started with shitposting, people spreading racist memes and hateful jokes within the confines of a digital echo chamber. For Mariana, the El Paso shooting was a wake-up call, hard evidence that online bullshit can turn into deadly violence. The longer she spent online reading far-right conversations, the more she realized Kofage's baseless allegations might mean real danger for her and her colleagues. After we filed suit against the Department of Homeland Security and, and there was publicity about that, and honestly, the timing of that was kind of good because... We filed suit at the beginning of December, so by the time media picked up on it, people were really already distracted by Christmas. Yeah. You know, they were holiday planning and partying and shopping and all that, so there wasn't uh, this enormous explosion of, of publicity and negative backlash. But we did start getting what we called disaster tourists. People who would show up going, we heard they're going to build the wall across the Butterfly Center. Show us where they're going to build our president's big, beautiful wall. And as long as they behaved, you know, we have maps. We would take their entry fee and say, okay, now you got to walk a quarter mile that way to the canal. That's where they're going to build it. And then walk another 1.2 miles to the border, to the actual border. And again, it gave us a chance to educate people. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of head scratching with people going, but why would they build the wall? Things seemed to be going well, but then they took a turn for the worst. Kolfosh had tweeted that, quote, the only butterflies we saw were swarming a decomposing body surrounded by tons of rotting trash left behind by illegals. And his lies had become something of a fixture on the places where MAGA and QAnon overlap. Almost none of these people had ever visited the border, but years of propaganda had given them a fixed set of expectations about this place. They spun up ever more ridiculous fantasies, and by late 2019, some of them had even started to show up in person. About that same time, police arrested two young men with Adam Waffen in West Texas, and they had been stopped and, and uh, you know pulled over, and they had all kinds of weapons and munitions and grenades and, uh, you know, improvised explosive devices and everything in the car. And they said they were headed to the border. Then the militia people started coming here. And um, I was here the day the first ones came, the first that we know of came inside the building to case the joint. And sometimes I sit here at the conference table to work. Sometimes I'm in this office right here. But I can always hear what's going on at the front counter. And we have a door chime. And so there are questions that people ask when they're first-time visitors. There are questions people ask when they're part of our tribe, when they're naturalists, when they've come for the butterflies and the birds and all of that. And then there are questions people ask that make all of your spidey senses, you know, go off. 
And I heard that kind of questioning. And whenever that happens, I get my phone open to camera and I go out there. What the question you heard was that kind of triggered you a bit? They were asking about the lay of the land and how they would get to the river from here. And those aren't regular questions. When most people show up, they're like, we're here on family vacation and on our way to South Padre, but we heard there was a butterfly center, so we stopped to, you know, so they may say, like, where are the butterflies? People show up thinking we're a butterfly house, you know. But when people immediately say, like, how do I get to the river from here? Or explain to me where the access points are. And you're kind of like, okay, no, that's... And uh, I took a picture of them from behind. And then I went out there and I was like, you know, hello, gentlemen, can I help you? You know, and make sure they, you know, it's like we are looking you in the face. We can identify you. And one of them kind of turned and walked off. And one of them stayed to talk to me. And they were asking, well, we've just, you know, never been here before. And tell us what y'all are all about. And it was the week of Thanksgiving, and we'd actually just had our potluck for staff and some of our members. So they're like, and you've got food. And they're like, can we have some pecan pie? Sure, have a slice of pie. But the other guy who had peeled off, I noticed him walking around. He came and looked back here. He was noticing the cameras and all the places. He, he made his way toward the back of the building and started the same thing. And I was like, oh, and I told Luciano, go outside, photograph all the vehicles in the parking lot, you know, get license plates, get all the identifying information that we would need. And sure enough, there were two trucks backed in with the Punisher stickers and the 13 stars in a circle and the, you know, the don't tread on me and this and that. One of them was from New Mexico and I believe the other one was from I want to say like Oregon or somewhere, but it was, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. I, I've still got all that information. Yeah. And then I, uh, so after they left, we downloaded the security camera video and put our photos and everything together. And I emailed everything to the commander for DPS down here, as well as the mission police chief. And, um, and then asked to meet with them. And of course, the Mission PD guys had no idea about the Adam Waffen people being arrested in Texas. They had no idea the militia was in town. Um, and then they more and more of them kept coming. And, uh, you know, one of them would drive up and down Sherbach in his huge jacked up truck. It was a red truck with the Trump flags, and he had two big Great Danes that. You know, and he would just be loud and, and annoying. He wanted everybody to know he was here on patrol and, and ready to intimidate. That was disconcerting, but the police responded. They wound up having several interactions with various militia people and even taking at least two of them that we know of into custody. And at least one of those was turned over to the FBI. The man arrested had outstanding warrants and had been flying a drone in a controlled airspace. Another had been impersonating a law enforcement officer. Seeing the threat, Mariana realised that if she wanted to stay safe, she was going to have to take matters into her own hands. 
We don't know if it was done here or somewhere else. I assume it was not here because they didn't tell us it was here. Oh, no. The mission PD officer who is their liaison with the FBI came and met with me and thanked me for sharing all of that information. I mean, we knew what hotel they were staying at. We and we have we've had to become our own sort of security and detective force because nobody else is doing it. And I think most people in communities around the country think the police know what's going on and they're out there, you know, <laughs> safeguarding us when we have learned the hard way that that is absolutely not true. Soon, she was plumbing the parts of the internet that she'd only heard mentioned on passing in the news. We were aware of Pizzagate. Yeah. Yeah, we were aware uh, that they had declared that Hillary Clinton and associates were running a satanic child, you know, sex ring with, you know, ritual sacrifice and all kinds of other preposterous stuff out of the basement of a D.C. pizza parlor, you know, where the pizza parlor didn't even have a basement, much less a satanic ritual child sex trafficking ring. (laughs) Just a few weeks after the shooting in El Paso, We Build the Wall broke ground on their phase two project. Within sight, and very much within shooting distance of the National Butterfly Center, Mariana was under no illusion about the stakes. They know that they have the ability to incite violence in that way, to motivate people to take action. And they use a lot of really inflammatory rhetoric. Even Steve Bannon's broadcast is called The War Room. You know, we're all at war. We're at war against the cartels and we're at war for the soul of our nation and we're at war against the Democrats and you know, and, and now they're at war against the Butterfly Center. In addition to her intelligence gathering, she started taking steps to protect herself and her workers. They weren't exactly the sort of thing she'd expected when she took a job where she'd hoped to write grants and talk to kids about butterflies. We had to develop some very rudimentary safety plans, like if there were a shooting, where you would shelter, how we would try to... Uh, safeguard visitors um, and other things to like the women on staff, even the guys on staff. Um, Like I never have my hair down. Uh, I always keep it up or under a hat or something because you just learn in basic self-defense that somebody's going to grab your ponytail or your hair as the fastest, easiest way to take control of your whole body, basically. So we just we all take um, a variety of precautions and it has radically changed the way we, we operate here and the way we perceive this place, which used to be, I mean, we were blissful idiots coming to work in this oasis of, of flowers and, and butterflies every day. And, you know, my children described me as Snow White that I'm out there just with the, you know, the butterflies landing on me and the hummingbirds coming up and saying hello. Luckily, she wasn't alone. As soon as people heard about the threats to her in the centre, she began to receive messages of support. 
It turns out it's not only right-wing grifters who can summon people to a remote part of southern Texas where the Rio Grande twists through the reeds, a local switch to English and Spanish as the mood suits him. Groups from across the country, from veterans to indigenous nations, reached out to offer support. So first we had the water protectors and indigenous peoples like the Carizo Come Crudo and Navajo and other uh, nations. People came here and set up camp. They were good being here night and day to uh, be our eyes and ears and a deterrent for the militia entering the property. And along with them came others like the Sierra Club Military Outdoors Program participants who also camped out here for a week. And we had the um, Brown Berets and uh, Veterans for Peace and um, even uh, folks from the Socialist Party and the Communist Party. I mean, I hate to even include that since we get called pinko, commie, libtard, snowflakes and all of that. But those folks showed up willing to help in the face of uh, fascism, in the face of these militia But all this stress and the need for constant patrols and vigilance took its toll. Even with support, being the centre of a fabricated firestorm of lies is no fun. It wasn't just Mariana who was impacted. The constant stress and the non-stop overflights of the Border Patrol helicopters impacted her staff as well. And then in 2019, like, all bets are off. Anybody can say anything they want. They can, you know, I hate to say it, but people get mental health days now if they pay If they just, for whatever reason, are like, I can't deal with this shit today, they don't have to come to work. And and I've lost good employees. In 2020, briefly, We Built the Wall won an injunction and kept building their privately funded wall. Massive erosion quickly undermined it, but the International Boundary and Water Commission report on the construction wasn't completed until March, by which time We Build the Wall had completed three miles of wall. The consensus among hydrologists and engineers interviewed by ProPublica for a report on the wall said that the Rio Grande had scoured against the base of the wall, causing erosion and putting the wall in danger of collapse. With its very shallow foundation, Kohlfazer's wall was in immediate danger of toppling into the river. In response to this, Trump did what Trump does and took to Twitter to blame everyone else. In July of 2020, he tweeted, I disagreed with doing this very small, tiny section of the wall, going on to say, it was only done to make me look bad, and perhaps it now doesn't even work. Should have been built like rest of wall, 500 plus miles. I should also note that he misspelled perhaps in that tweet. While Kofage was still reeling from this condemnation, the acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York announced indictments of Kofage and Bannon for wire fraud. The charging documents themselves are an unusually compelling read. We did a couple of episodes of Behind the Bastards covering them. The whole situation would be much funnier, though, if it weren't for all of the lives that Kofage and his cronies directly threatened. Anyway, it turned out they had been taking huge sums for their own personal use while concealing their use of funds that donors thought would be spent on the wall by creating, quote, sham invoices and accounts to launder donations and cover up their crimes. Initially, all four entered not guilty pleas. They seemed to be buying time, hoping that Trump would pardon them. In the end, he did pardon Steve Bannon, and you can make of that what you will, but the others were left to hang in the wind. This April, Kofage entered a guilty plea to these and other charges. 
The failure of Bannon and Kofage's grift didn't stop them from using the Butterfly Sanctuary as a punching bag in their fundraising rants that they published to whatever sites had not gotten around to banning them yet. As right-wing radicals were deplatformed from Facebook and Twitter in the lead-up to the 2020 election, Mariana stopped getting tagged in their rants, but they didn't stop ranting. Soon, as it became clear that Trump had lost the election and refused to concede it, he began to lie about the election and then attempted to overturn it by encouraging his supporters to storm the U.S. Capitol. At this point, it became clearer that the same people who were fanatical about building the wall had also become entirely detached from reality. Even after Biden had been inaugurated and their lie had failed, a who's who, or perhaps a who's not in jail for sedition yet, of MAGA grifters continued to focus their rage at the QAnon-adjacent fantasies they'd concocted about unspecified cartels smuggling children across a butterfly sanctuary to sexually abuse them. Sometimes, they claimed, they cut the heads off of children so that the corpses were easier to transport. It's the kind of habitual, unhinged escalation that liberals and lefties on Twitter love to consume, mockingly, via aggregator accounts that enable mass gawking at the far right. But for Mariana, it was not at all amusing. Like, I didn't even know Rumble existed. I didn't know what Rumble was. And then we were sent the video that Christy Hutcherson and uh, Lindsay something from South Carolina made here in front of the Butterfly Center and... You know, of course, there's the Ben Berkwam stuff and, you know, we don't watch War Room, but sometimes I, I do have to go find and film portions of those broadcasts where Steve Bannon is still bashing us and, and using that platform to bolster um, the lies and, and, you know, really stir up the, the, uh, the terrible sentiment, and, and ultimately, we fear the stochastic terrorism. Let's stop for a second and go into more detail about the people she's referencing here. Christy Hutcherson founded a group called Women Fighting for America. On their website's About page, they note, Today, Americans' closely held beliefs and freedoms seem to be under constant attack from mainstream media, elitist academia, judicial activists, foreign aggressors, and many times elected politicians. These attacks highlight the two extremely different ideologies fighting for our country's future. Will we stand by and let America become a socialist, Marxist, or communist nation and give our children up to this hopeless vision? I should also note that Women Fighting for America actively solicits donations, which they note are not tax-deductible. Hutchison incited rioters during the January 6th insurrection, and is generally what you might call a B-list MAGA star. Ben Berkwam is a correspondent for Real America Voice, the network that hosts Steve Bannon's War Room podcasts. In general, the folks most focused on harassing the Butterfly Sanctuary are a lower grade of MAGA influencer than the major national names. But they all have connections higher up to those big names. And when they do land a successful line of propaganda, it tends to filter up quite efficiently to those bigger names. In January of 2022, a year after the failed coup at the Capitol, some of these MAGA holdouts came to the Rio Grande Valley to pick on a target they thought they might have a better chance of taking. The We Stand America border security rally was headlined by the few remaining QAnon conspiracy theorists and supporters of former President Trump who had not gotten in trouble for the Capitol stuff. In part, like the entire phenomenon, the conference was a giant grift. But for many of the people taken up with its religious proclamations and wild lies of child trafficking and sexual abuse, it was the last chance they felt they had to stop something evil. Mariana, up until that time, hadn't been aware of how serious the threats against her sanctuary were. Then, a friend involved in local Republican politics reached out and told her, 
be armed at all times or out of town. Ahead of the rally, Ben Burkwam appeared in a video on Gitter outside of the sanctuary, holding a pair of children's shoes, which he claimed were evidence of trafficking, and stated that he and the Butterfly Center were calling on Joe Biden to shut down the border. We're down here. We're actually heading down to Benson State Park to look at the end of the wall where Joe Biden stopped building the wall. And this place, the Butterfly Center, uh, they said they were afraid. They had some credible threats that something was going to go on. So we came down here and we want to join our voices with the Butterfly Center and say we stand against the credible threats of the cartels uh, trafficking children through the Butterfly Center. And we demand, we call on Joe Biden to close this border down to protect the butterflies, because we all care about butterflies. I mean, you know, the children that are being sold, these shoes were from one of the children that was trafficked across. This wristband was from one of the children that was trafficked across, smaller than my four-year-old daughter's arm. But what really matters to the Democrats are the butterflies. And so we unite with them. If that's what, it, if that's what it's going to take to shut this border down, we unite with them and say, protect the butterflies, Joe. Close down the border. Because we know you don't care about the kids. The same day, Piper Loomis and Hutchardson appeared in their own video, holding the same suspiciously new-looking children's shoes. In their horrifically overexposed video, they suggested that NBC was, quote, more concerned about butterflies than the little children, and that the Butterfly Center was used as a route for the sex trafficking of children. Together, the video's title said, they would save America. Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Piper Loomis. I'm here with my bestie, Christy Hutcherson, and founder of Women Fighting for America. I went to the border with her last year for six days. We are here at the Butterfly Center. Look at the credible threat. They said there's going to be a big protest here. There's no protest. They're protesting what? Tell them about this. Butterflies. Tell them why. Like, what was the big deal? I'm not really sure, but um, I, I got news. I've been hit by every single tabloid there is. That there's some kind of credible threat with butterflies here um, in Mission, Texas, um, mm-hmm. from We Stand America and Women Fighting for America. I can tell you, Women Fighting for America loves butterflies, and we care about butterflies very much. So I wanted to come down here and see what the credible threat was. Um, and if we have to protect the butterflies, we need to protect the butterflies. I agree with that. So Biden, why don't you build the wall to protect the butterflies? Yeah. It's Let's- really that simple. Um, but... My question to this administration and to the National Butterfly Museum here, why are you more concerned Why are you more concerned about butterflies mm-hmm. than you are than the little children who are being trafficked right behind exactly. this center? And they use the, the butterfly land to come up through and bring these children who are trafficked and these women who are trafficked. You know, Tom Homan yesterday was speaking on stage and was telling one of the stories where he's seen a little child where he had to rescue. And that one child had over 22 different people's DNA inside of them. That's disgusting. Yeah. So as much as I care about butterflies, I can tell you this, Lindsay, I care a lot more about our children and the Mm -hmm. children who are coming up and being exploited from the different uh, countries by the cartels. That's that's, what I care about. So I've been telling you guys about how children are tattooed according to how they're going to be trafficked or sold into what type of trafficking, organ harvesting, sex, drug, and human trafficking, how they use their body. They kill them. They use their body cavities to haul drugs across the border until the bodies start decaying. They find the bodies decapitated. Told you about the rape trees. But here we actually have a shoe from, and this, actually this is 
This is what, them. so Lindsay, this is a little bracelet and there's a little, how much money it costs for this person to be brought aside um, to, to America from the cartels. The other thing is, is that the cartels, when they're getting ready to move children, they call them tickets. So they have no regard for life. They don't care. They'll throw mm -hmm. them in the river. They'll leave them in the desert to die. Um, and they call them tickets. That's, that's how disgusting this whole thing is. And America needs to wake up and understand we are at a war with the cartels. We are at a war to save our children. So and thank every you so much. Yeah, and every state's a border state. And South Carolina is ranked one of the top in the nation for trafficking. Lindsay Piper Loomis with Christy Hutcherson. Together, we're saving America. God bless. But this time, they didn't stop with posting. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
On the day he was inaugurated, Biden signed an executive order rescinding Trump's emergency declaration at the southern border and ending some use of the DOD funding Trump had relied upon as an end run around accountability. But he didn't, as he promised he would, stop building immediately. During the Biden-Obama um, um, administration, Trump campaigned on um, build that wall. Are you willing to tear that wall down? No, I'm, there will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration, number one. Like so much else, Biden didn't live up to his promises on the border. There have been some small victories for basic decency, but Biden's record is deeply mixed. He's reunited hundreds of children with their families, but ended court negotiations about a financial settlement for them. Migrant apprehensions climbed to 1.7 million, a record in fiscal year 2021. But they also reflected an unusually high rate of adults attempting to cross the border multiple times. That's because Biden's administration defended Trump's use of Title 42, part of a 77-year-old law called the Public Health Service Act, which has been interpreted to allow CBP to release migrants back into Mexico without booking them. Often, this means they turn right back around and cross again, in a more remote and often more deadly place. Biden hasn't lived up to his promises on the wall either. Mariana showed us a pile of wall sections, essentially giant metal poles just a little shorter than Trump wall. You could be forgiven for thinking they're identical, but these, she explained, were not technically wall. And you see the border wall that was being constructed there. Some of it has the tall bollards with the anti-climb plate. That's Trump. Yeah. And then the short bollards are Biden. Levy repair and guardrail. Well, I snap moody black and white photos of the wall from on top of a levee, as I have all along the hundreds of miles of landscape that it cuts through like an open wound. Robert went down to see who made these new pieces of the Biden barrier, but we didn't have much luck finding a label. The wall segments lay out in giant pallets surrounded by construction debris and dirt. Every pallet is labeled, and so are all the shipping containers, but the wall materials themselves had no clear maker's mark on them. As we walked back along the dirt road, we asked Mariana about the video that brought us here in the first place. If you haven't seen it, it's a video of Kimberly Lowe, a long-odds MAGA congressional candidate from Virginia. Kimberly is an interesting figure. She started out as a Sanders backer in 2016, and has radicalized since to such a degree that most of her local MAGA people want nothing to do with her. Some of them think she's some kind of double agent. Audio from the incident makes it clear why people might view Kimberly as unhinged. You're not here to cause any problems, I'm sorry. No, you are here to promote your agenda, and your agenda is not welcome here. Okay, thank you so much. So you're not for keeping the illegals out? So you're not for helping all these poor people in the humanitarian crisis? That's what we're here so for. That's, you're, that's you're our okay agenda. With no, that's being not, sex trafficked and raped and That is not that's at all point. what this is about. We have Girl Scouts spend the night here. Mm -hmm. That's how safe it is. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I have children in the car. I yeah. hope it's safe here. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to offend No, you're, you. you're no. here to make a show Jesus. and to promote your agenda. So you can leave now. Thank you for leaving now. Thank you so much. But... Um, I'm sorry that you're okay with children being raped. No, I'm not okay with any of that. And you. your bullshit wow. is a big oh, okay. problem. It's okay. I'm going to go help the world while you're That's a really okay. nasty person. We'll let Mariana explain what happened. So I was sitting here actually at the conference table, and my son was at the front counter. 
He doesn't work here, but he was covering for a staff member who was out sick. And um, as I was saying, you hear things that are like, hmm, you know? So I was on a conference call. I had my headphones in, but my son came over and he gave me a note and it said, you know, uh, this woman says she's running for Congress and has her Secret Service agent with her. And, you know, I thought that was strange, but then I, you know, I'm still on this call, but I, you know, I took my headphones out so I could hear them. And um, the one woman, Michelle, was claiming to be Secret Service. And I mean, I've had people like Beto O'Rourke when he was a congressman come visit. Uh, Michelle Beckley, who's a state representative. I mean, I've had, I've had people come visit and they don't have Secret Service. You know, so I knew that that was not true, that this woman was not Secret Service. And um, the congressional rep, I asked my son to get her name and he did. And I just did, you know, literally like one or two minute Internet search for her. And it was immediately apparent that she was a MAGA candidate and uh my son said they want us to open the back 70 for them, but they don't want to pay admission. And on her Facebook page, I could see their Facebook live stream from just like five minutes earlier where they had driven down Sherbach to the gate where y'all have been and seen, you know, we have a great big private property, no trespassing sign. And then they went up on the levee and interacted with the uh, Texas National Guard there. Her video ended before that, but a reporter with Stars and Stripes, I know, was on the levee with the National Guard and interacted with Kimberly and Michelle. So they trespassed onto our property. Then they came here demanding that they be granted access without paying admission and declared just right up front, we want to go see the river and the illegals crossing on the rafts to the Butterfly Center. The rafts they were talking about were referencing a doctored image circulating around the right-wing conspiracy web. We stood at the dock in the image on that afternoon. There were no rafts. Mariana decided to try and talk the two women down. So, um, you know, I, I put my phone on record, carried it out there. I got two business cards uh, because it is my job to be professional and greet these people when they come. So I went out there and I said, hello, And uh, the rest of it is history, as they say. You have that audio or, um, you know, of, of, of me saying, I know who you are and what you're up to. And I knew then it was a setup. Yeah. Uh, For someone to come here and say those things and be doing their own, uh, you know, sort of Project Veritas, Facebook live stream, border adventure from Virginia, as they say, none of it smelled right, you know? That didn't work, so she asked them to leave. Well, it was when I told them they needed to leave, and if they weren't going to leave, you know, we would call the police. And I told them, I gestured to my son, just do it, you know, go ahead and call the, call the police, which he did. And they, they were like, no, no, we're leaving, we're leaving. They went out the front doors, but then they stopped. So I opened the door behind them like, keep it moving, ladies, you know, you have to leave. 
And I was focused on Michelle, who was on my left, who was again saying she was Secret Service. <laughs> and laughing at her, when I turned and Kimberly was on this side of me and had her phone up like this. So I didn't know if she was taking photos or filming. But we talk about how everybody now has their own triggers. I do not want my photo taken. I do not want anyone filming me. I don't, I don't want any of that uh, because of how Colfage and Bannon and their fake news outlets and everything else have used my image and, and have put a target on yeah. my back. So she's standing there going, we're here at the Butterflies Sanctuary or whatever she called it. And I'm with this not nice lady. And I was like, oh, no. And I just put my hand up to block her from photographing or filming me or to swat it away. And then I immediately turned uh, back toward the doors to retreat inside the building. But I didn't make it inside the building. I was flat on my ass on the ground. And I didn't know if Michelle had grabbed me from behind or if Kimberly had uh, pushed me or whatever. But then my son busted out of the building and was sort of over me. Um, and I'm trying to get up off the ground. And all this is caught on the video camera from the building. In a previous video, the women had indicated that they were armed, which is generally a safe assumption when MAGA types show up accusing you of child trafficking. The situation was rapidly growing more dangerous. My son feared for my life. He thought Michelle was going to stomp my face or my neck or my head. And she's a big girl. And, um, and at that point, Kimberly ran to her car. Somewhere in the midst of all that, she, she fled to her car where she had her three children waiting. Because this place is so dangerous and lawless and... And everything, she brought her three children here for her opportunity to, you know, interact with cartel or whatever. I mean, it's just the whole thing just gets more bizarre. And, uh, and Michelle at that point had taken my phone. And I was just telling her, you're not leaving with my phone. Give me my phone back. While Kimberly is again live streaming from her car, yelling at Michelle to come get in the car. Uh, Michelle did walk to the car, declare, she's not bothering me about me. Um, but my son had run to close the front gate because he didn't want them. I mean, he had just called 911. Unbeknownst to us, there was a visitor in the parking lot who had also dialed 911. And you guys have been here. There's police on the corner. There's police right there. I mean, there's police everywhere. So my son ran to close the gate. One, so they couldn't leave with my phone. Two, so they would be here when the police got here. But then the police didn't come. And as she fled the property, she's filming herself. And she's gunning it, the car, as she races towards the, the gate, screaming, get the fuck out of my way, get the fuck out of my way. And then she swerves like this at my son, who had to leap to the ground out of the way to avoid being hit by her red Range Rover. The center was full of visitors. Some of them called 911, but no one stepped in to help. Prior to this experience, yes, I would have expected our visitors any decent human being to respond to a woman screaming, help, help, 
help me, please, please help. Mm -hmm. But nobody did. Only my son. At first, they didn't fully grasp what was happening. But soon, Mariana had worked out who her attacker was. And so I relayed all of that to my boss and to the police. And, uh, you know, my boss was kind of like, well, do whatever you want. If you feel like you need to close next weekend, then close next weekend. So we did. We closed that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then we came back in the next Monday. And that's when we saw and people started sending us the videos that uh, Berkwam and Hutcherson had filmed here, presumably on Sunday. And there's probably a lot more stuff out there that we haven't seen. After leaving the Butterfly Center one day, we went for a walk towards some nearby trailer parks. They're full of people who the locals call winter Texans. People from the colder parts of the US who spend a few months in trailer homes on the border so they can wear shorts in March and not pay expensive heating bills. We bumped into some winter Texans who were on their way to a bird sanctuary we just visited. They said they'd missed their usual trips to the Butterfly Center. Their friends in Minnesota, they said, couldn't believe that they would go down to the border. It's good because, yeah. boy, the stuff, you, the stuff you get in Minnesota is not reality as to what's going on on the border down here. In what way? Um, well, people don't understand. Well, that, you first know, of all, they wonder why are you coming down and putting yourself in such danger? <laughs> <laughs> I really, the, the idea is that the sports of people attacking you, you know, it's, it's like the people coming out of uh, Ukraine right now. I mean, that's, yes, that's yes. the impression they get. And we say, you know, we go down to Mexico, you do what? You go in the Mexico? Yeah. They do their best to help change perceptions, they said. And then we try, to, we try to do as much as we can to get factual information back home to people with questions and stuff like that. We worked um, maybe for, we haven't come the last two years because of COVID, but um, four or five years ago, we were working with the respite center here with um, Catholic Charities when there were so many, mm -hmm. yeah. they were allowing people to go over and yeah. The other thing at home is I don't think that people realize because of the river, there's not a straight line it's border. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not like that. You can't just build a wall straight up. Yeah. And that people live in their houses south of the wall. Um, yeah. You know, and people's farms are south of the wall. Yeah. Sometimes there's a wall and sometimes there isn't a wall. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere we go along the border, we see division. Locals are losing places they love. And people from a long way away are performing a charade for personal and political gain. But it's not all that cut and dried. One taco shop we walked past has a special parking spot reserved for DHS employees. A trailer park we drive by has thin blue line flags flying. Despite my best attempts at pulling the clueless foreigner card when we call them, they won't tell me why they have the flags or what they mean. Some of the National Guard troops we spoke to had been out of work before they came down to the border. Actually, I didn't have a job before this. So oh, okay. It gave me a good opportunity. I'm planning to stay here like probably the next two years. Okay. Wow, yeah. Do you get active duty pay while you're. Uh, somewhat, but it's like. Uh, it's different because it's state borders, so it's not federal. Yeah, okay. Everyone on the border wants to feel safe, including Mariana. But the reason the border is remarkable at all is because so many people have to cross it. Some cross for work, some cross for fun, some cross to change their lives.
But without people, the border doesn't have any significance. For Mariana, without people, she can't even enjoy the quiet calm in the sanctuary. She hopes, she says, that they can reopen soon. I mean, honestly, I hope it doesn't last a whole lot longer because we all miss one another. <laughs> we miss uh, being here, uh, you know, really, of all the jobs that a person can have in the world, one where you get to interact with wildlife and garden and breathe fresh air and, <laughs> you know, feel the rain on your face. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and interact with people who are absolutely thrilled and fascinated, uh, especially the children, just delighted, gleeful uh, about their interactions here. We want to get back to that. But we have to have more, um, we have to have more help before we can do that. We, we need uh, professional guidance beyond what we've received three years ago when uh, the first wave of community defense and, and mutual aid hit the ground here. Mariana doesn't know when she'll feel safe, but even with the center poised to reopen, as we write this, she isn't secure yet. You know, I feel like it's a cat and mouse thing and they're the cat and we're the mouse and that they are gonna continue to come back again and again until something really bad happens. I think it's almost a challenge maybe at this point from what I can tell about their, their psyche, mm -hmm. you know, um, it goes right back to that winning, Yeah, you know, Steve Bannon's no loser. He's not used to losing and uh, anything short of achieving his goal whatever that may be, is not winning. If you've made it this far, you're probably wondering what you can do to help. If, like most Americans, you live a long way from the southern border and have never visited, it might seem strange to take up and travel there, to meet a nice lady and talk about butterflies, QAnon, while you have to drive past soldiers in fatigues with assault rifles to look at her pollinator garden. But Mariana says that even the small acts of solidarity make a huge difference. Even people just sending really nice email or letters is so good. We'll probably have a wall of that when we get back. Because the flip side of that is the hate mail, the ugly messages, the death threats, the voicemails that are so horrible. So to hear from people that do support us and stand with us and feel like what's happening is horrible. Uh, people who write to say, you know, I told my quilting circle about what's happening at the Butterfly Center or, you know, I mean, and, uh, and we're going to make a quilt for you or, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, it, it helps. It really does. And then they, they can share our story because it's not just about the Butterfly Center. It's about what's happening to our democracy. It's about how these operations work um, to manipulate people with lies. I, I don't want to call it conspiracy theories or misinformation or any of that anymore. They're just lies. And 
people need to start to understand that, whether it's about COVID or the trucker convoys or trans kids or the Butterfly Center. Hey, we'll be back Monday with more episodes every week from now until the heat death of the universe. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal History. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.